I resent its cynically shallow pessimism disguised as apple pie sentimentalism, its artistic laziness, and its technical sloppiness. Mm. I like the uh, the, the <laughs> voice you've chosen for this, actually. I think this fits. I resent its condescending attitude towards its audience. What? Is it condescending? <laughs> I, I resent Apparently. this person. <laughs> It's a testament to the colossal continuing dumbing down of movie audience, audiences, and it managed to knock me into the worst state of depression I've experienced <laughs> from a movie in years. Wow. Seek help. That was a one-star review I got nothing. from IMDb. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Spoilers Intended, a podcast about series and films. I'm Ryan, joined as always by Andrew. Hello! And Steven. Hi, diddly-ho there, neighbor. And in this episode, we're talking about Christopher Nolan's Interstellar. But before we jump into that and our thoughts on that, we were kind of thinking, like, you know, th this movie has kind of a, uh, a conflict that the character has to overcome, but not really like a, a twirl-your-mustache villain. There's, no one, there's no one sitting in a dark corner going, yeah, The, there's the not black a, hole is not sitting there. It's the, me, anti-stellar. I'm here to stop you. So we thought we would talk Never about it. Coming. It's me, your terrible math skills. I'm here to haunt you. Uh, so we thought we would talk about other movies that don't really have a traditional villain. Right? Now, now, they can't be like, it can't be like, Easy ones where there's like slice of life shows oh, yeah. no, or no, whatever. No. Yeah, like yeah. It, has I mean, it, to can have something... it can be. Okay, mm. it can be apparently. Never apparently, mind. yeah. We're just writing the rules as we go. That's who not cares? what I picked. Who? Uh, I'm not well, saying that's why I picked either. But <laughs> <laughs> then why are we bringing it up? <laughs> he brought Steven, it up first. Yes, you go first. No, right. <laughs> no that's fine. He can go first. <laughs> <Get it. laughs> he said what that was such passion. <laughs> a swing. No. Stephen, full full Mark Hamill on me over here. So I went with 2003's Big Fish. Okay. I haven't seen this movie, so I have no opinion. Whoa, really? <laughs> Sit in the corner and be quiet. Yeah, right? This has Ian McGregor in it, though, doesn't it? It does. Have, that's yes. why I'm shocked you haven't seen it. He's such a dreamboat. He, he is a dreamboat. He is. So this is based on a uh, 1998 novel. Mm -hmm. And basically, the uh, screenwriter read a manuscript of the novel before it was published and convinced Columbia Pictures to acquire the rights to this film. Wow. Like, wow. Just off the strength of Was this of film that. a success? What's, what's the plot summary of this? So the plot summary... No, or, he, answer my question first, Stephen. Is a moderate box office success. Is a critical success. Moderate box office. Moderate box office. Okay, got it. Now you can tell us the synopsis. Now I don't want to know it. <laughs> <laughs> so basic, basic storyline here is we have a father and son. Mm -hmm. The son is played by you e. McGregor. McGregor. Yes. Mm -hmm. He'd be a little bit too old to be a father in this. Maybe. Around this time, I mean, you know, don't, don't, don't pull you can have down. babies at age 13, right? Yeah, like, don't, don't bet against don't go down him. that road. Ewan was out him. there just living it <laughs> up. Don't bet, don't bet against him here, yeah. Uh, so his father's played by Albert Finney. I don't know if that helps you at all here. No, it doesn't. <laughs> 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 the look on Andrew's face said <laughs> <that> it didn't. <laughs> I didn't clear anything up for him. Me and Steve both looked over at Andrew's face, just I was like, like, I don't know that name, I'm not gonna look it up. I've never heard a face flatline before, so so basically, the the son, <laughs> uh, so at his wedding, yep. right, mm -hmm. his father gets up and gives a speech and tells a, a story. It's, it's essentially a, a tall tale, a yarn. Mm -hmm. And this is a long point of contention between he and his son, where, so his son is a, a fact-finding journalist, right? Gets to the bottom of things. Mm. And his dad has always, in the son's mind, told 
fantasies. Tall tales, yeah. And tall tales as a way to protect having to actually deal with reality, essentially. Mm, did so, they have loss like their mother died? No, no, the mother's no. there. Oh, okay. No, there's nothing like that. <laughs> She's just hard to put up with. I think, <laughs> probably. It's no, even it's, worse. <laughs> it's very much so. Uh, so I saw a really good quote about this film that actually mm-hmm. was, I don't know if it was from Tim Burton or if somebody else involved in the pr- product or in the um, production. production product. Mm-hmm. Uh, We're making a product They're here. making a product. They are making a product. This yeah. is true. Uh, who basically said, uh, they they related to this, right? The Tim Burton had just lost, he directed, just lost his father mm-hmm. and had had difficulties reconciling. Yeah. And one of them, they basically said the quote was, it was like we were, were strangers who knew each other very well. Mm-hmm. Mm. So uh, they don't they don't get along. Okay. Right? So plot progresses and uh, he comes back to his father on basically his deathbed. Mm-hmm. So determined to pin down, like learn more about his dad at this point. Mm-hmm. He starts really researching the stories his dad is telling, and his dad is supplying more stories throughout this. And he keeps kind of jumping back and forth between reality and actually. Sorry, the son's not played by Ewan McGregor. Young Albert Finney is Ewan McGregor. Mm, that's right. That's right. Oh, sorry. Okay. I, I was like, hold on, I messed this up. Yeah. I, see, I wouldn't have known that because I haven't seen this movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. See, yeah. that's why I corrected it just for you. Andrew. That's why I didn't correct it. I haven't seen it since like the year it came out. So yeah, I'm I've seen like, it, I saw it in theaters when it released, and yeah. like once since. Uh, it was mostly shot in Alabama. Really? Yeah. So uh, the town of Spectre mm-hmm. is actually still relatively intact, uh, kind of outside of Wetumpka. Okay. Uh, so down around Montgomery. Montgomery, in, Alabama. Montgomery. Montgomery. Uh, yeah, we were really is mad. Is that where they filmed uh, Sweet Home Alabama? Uh, no, it's not. That was Vancouver. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> close. You know, I was actually really mad because well, I was in college at Auburn, and there are scenes in this story that take place in Auburn. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, so like they filmed all around here. So did they just did we just not see them on campus? And they're like, <laughs> they did the campus. You're like, this is not Auburn. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you jerks. This is nothing like it. You were like 20 miles from here. Come on. Uh, so basically, he goes through all these stories, mm-hmm. and as he goes through everything he basically starts to find out well most of this actually happened it's just like his dad is only adding like one step on top of the 10 steps that i took place mm, and right. it's like my dad actually had an incredible life yeah and i've always basically denied it mm-hmm. because i refuse to, to believe it believe. like a jerk <laughs> and so then his, his he and his son reconcile right? yeah uh so there's no real i mean like you could almost say the son is the bad an guy. antagonist, yeah, but he's really not a bad guy. It's just they just don't understand one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I really like it mostly just because there is a lot of whimsy in this. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean it is it is a lot of fantastic things that happen that are you know tough to believe kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, but when you go back into this era, like you know his dad, you know was uh, vol- I don't know if it was volunteer to serve or was drafted into the Korean War, right? And you know back in those days, you had these people who were just hard as nails who just did incredibly crazy things, and we only hear you know one story about it every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But at, to you know a modern perspective, you're like oh, this dude you know jumped out of a burning plane to save yeah. you know twenty of his buddies on the ground with a pistol. You know what? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> These kinds of things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty great film. Mm-hmm. I saw it in theaters at Auburn. We were mad about it. I enjoyed it, but we were mad about it. Uh, I've seen it once since. I haven't really gone back. It's one of those films where I'm always like, I need to, check I need it to out. put this yeah. back on and watch it again. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's really interesting because it's both a very heartfelt and wholesome story surrounded by kind of almost fantasy. Yeah. Well, that, that's actually kind of on brand for um, for what we're talking about today for Interstellar. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, you did you I did, did me. I did do kind <laughs> of a little bit of like the the uh, father uh, yeah. progeny relationship maneuver here. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You're welcome. It's going to cost us seven years. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to cost us seven years. <laughs> All right, Andrew. That was not a math. That, that was, was not a terrible math. That was the worst I think that's ever happened. <laughs> I think it was wherever Matthew McConaughey right, is right now, he just went, oh, oh, it's like someone stepped on my grave. <laughs> and he started playing his bongos naked and said, all right, man, let's get back to this party. And it didn't phase him that much. But for one moment, he felt a chill. Wasn't he like involved in some production here in Alabama? Yeah, he was. He actually just yeah, recently. got done filming. Something. Yeah, like, like there's yeah. something going on here. I was like, I know I've seen him in local news for some yeah. reason. Yeah, apparently he's a super genuine guy. Very yeah. nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He drives himself around. He actually drives a um, a Lincoln. Lincoln. Yeah. yeah, and he's he, he actually supports has, those commercials. Yeah. Well, no, no, he actually has driven a Lincoln. Well before he actually got the oh, oh, so they were like, hey, we're looking for someone to sponsor. But yes. it was also he was before like, he was in the Lincoln Lawyer, right? I don't know. I think that. he was really like a Lincoln yeah, fan. I think he just loves Lincoln. He did the Lincoln Lawyer, and it was like, it's right there, guys. The sponsorship's <laughs> just waiting. To like, yeah. <laughs> All right, what's your movie, Andrew? All right, so I chose the 2016 sci-fi film Arrival with Amy Adams. Mm. Okay. So okay. linguistics professor Lewis Banks leads an elite team of investigators when a gigantic when when gigantic spaceships touch down in 12 locations around the world as nations teeter on the verge of global war banks and her crew must race against time to find a way to communicate with the extraterrestrial visitors yeah so this is an incredibly tense film oh yeah that this is uh, doesn't this is Denis Villeneuve yes yes okay. Denis. yeah it doesn't actually have any kind of like action in it at all. No, no, no. Yeah. It is this very cerebral and kind of like um, detective. Um, yeah. A little, a little noir ish. Well, it gets into the idea of like if aliens actually came here and they were so wildly different from us that mm -hmm. like how would you even communicate with how. them? How would you yeah. interact mm -hmm. with them? Like they live on completely different rules than us. Their sense of time is different. Mm -hmm. They're like, yeah. yeah, like the way they perceive the world is different. Like yeah. everything. Yeah. Well, and, and the big thing, the, the big takeaway here is a lot of popular media, whenever aliens show up, they're here for conquest. They're here to destroy yeah. us, whatever, or harvest our organs. Doesn't matter. Bad things. Whatever, yeah. But these these aliens, whenever they show up, they're benevolent. They're very right. – they want to share information, but they can't share information without basically the use of Amy Adams' character, right. a linguistics mm -hmm. professor, figuring out – how to actually talk with them. Yeah. And it's a fantastic journey throughout the whole movie because it's a really small cast and very tense in the the sense of like it's kind of a thriller because yeah. you really don't know what's going to happen the yeah, whole like, time. Is the world just going to end? Well, the first like, time, I mean, yeah, I saw it. I was waiting for the other shoe to drop for yeah. a large part of the movie of mm -hmm. like, they are been, uh, sinister. Yeah. <laughs> like, like V or something here. Yeah. Yeah. But they... Um, yeah, I mean, it's just a fantastic movie. Daniel oh, yeah. New did it, and the visuals are great. Like, yeah, and yeah, just the whole exploration of that idea is is ph phenomenal to me. Yeah, I think of any of the complaints I've seen about it, it's that people didn't understand what kind of movie it was before they went in. Yeah, kind of going in. Yeah. It's, it's the mm -hmm. same thing of like whenever people went in to go see like Cloverfield for the first time. Right. Yeah. Where they don't know what you're getting into and then you, you're like, oh, this isn't the movie that I wanted. Right. And I can completely understand that with Arrival, but however, I loved it. It's oh, a fantastic I loved it. movie. Yeah. It's definitely one of those movies where like whenever you watch it, it's kind of like you got to be in the mood for it. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not, not just like a throw it on, on a Sunday yeah. afternoon and like chill 
chill and watch Arrival. Well, yeah, because there, there, there's a <laughs> lot of attention to this emotional yeah. moments that that basically Amy Adams' character has to confront throughout the mm-hmm. throughout the movie from her past and some of the other like team members and those kind of things that that kind of pile on top of the overarching plot and story. Right, and it ju- it's just a phenomenal movie all the way across. If you love I'll say sci-fi, but hard sci-fi particularly. Yeah, this is definitely within your alley. It's, uh, you know, we're we're doing a, a review on Interstellar. Yeah, which is also another great hard sci-fi. If you like Interstellar yeah. and you haven't seen Arrival, oh, yeah, go watch Arrival. Like, yeah. what are you doing? It's, it's really, really <laughs> good. listen to this first, and then but go they go watch, watch Arrival. Arrival. It's very good. <laughs> yeah. All right. What about you? My movie is tangentially kind of related to this movie. Uh, in a in a in a in a sense, two thousand one Space Odyssey. No, that has a villain in it. No. <laughs> in the year two thousand, a movie came out. Two thousand one Space Odyssey called Castaway. Oh, with Tom Hanks. That does have a villain. It's called the Sea. <laughs> the Sea. No, our mistress. I'm sorry. Is Wilson sea. is the villain. No, he's not. Wilson's the villain. No, he's not. The, the That's villain. the darkest take on this story <laughs> that's hold, ever he's existed. He's holding Tom back. So for those that he don't was. know, <laughs> it was Wilson who sank the raft every time. Oh, Wilson! And then Wilson, no. got, and then Wilson got off the island first. He floated. Out. He's like, "I'll see you later, I'll sucker." See you, sucker. So, Castaway, directed by Robert Zemeckis, was about a FedEx executive undergoes a physical and emotional transformation after crash landing on a desert island. I didn't want to get too vivid in the description because if you haven't seen Castaway, there are some things that happen that I want to like. It's phenomenal film. It's a really good movie. It's a good film. Yeah. yeah. Like if you if you ever want, if for whatever reason you've ever thought that Tom Hanks was not an, a good actor. Just watch Castaway. Just go watch Castaway. Yeah. 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 Like, you can watch a lot of his stuff it for is, like two and a half hours. Yeah. And he yeah. does an amazing job at it. Yeah. But I, I just love how, how this movie examines the idea of being stranded and like, that idea of like no one's coming to get me, like yeah. what do I do? You know, like I'm out in the middle, and just seeing his evolution as a character and Tom Hanks mm-hmm. as an actor of like how he portrays like what somebody would look like after a day of being stranded, a week, a month, a, a month, year. you know, yeah, <laughs> and then just the whole like it, it really gets into like what happens um, to your psyche, like what happens, like, yeah, 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 yeah even yeah. physically, and like the kind of things that you wouldn't really think of until like it's there and it's a reality right and you're like oh no this is a big problem this yeah yeah that's the thing that's like when when you realize what's going on you're like oh no <laughs> like, yeah you got to figure this out stat mm-hmm. yeah, yeah a phenomenal film and have you ever seen the tv series lost it's nothing like that it is absolutely yeah, nothing, it's like, nothing that. like lost at all <laughs> yeah very, very poignant I, i'm proud of all of us we all had tertiary connections to what we're talking about this uh, this episode yeah congratulations very, yeah we you did a, it we had a sci-fi we finally we got one <laughs> yeah even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then i guess broken clocks right twice a day there it is. okay <laughs> let's get into the plot summary for interstellar earth's future has been riddled by disasters famines and droughts oh, hold on okay we have to talk about our favorite corn dishes oh Oh my gosh, that's the most important part of this episode. Oh. Forget everything. <laughs> we made Ryan so ha- angry. <laughs> we were trying to come up with an intro topic for this episode. We were talking about corn, and Andrew suggested, I think kiddingly, what about our favorite corn dishes? And I was starving when he suggested <laughs> this. And I was like, I thought of a hundred corn dishes in a split second. I was like seeing the code of the Matrix. I was like, corn, yes. <laughs> you went you went like full Bubba there. You're like, 
Fried corn. <laughs> fried corn. Foreskin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> corn quiche. Corn flan. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go around real quick and just everybody talk about your favorite corn dish. Andrew, go. Mexican corn, baby. Wow, that's mine. Street corn? So mine is yeah, street corn. authentic yeah. Mexican street corn. Mm. So uh, It's got like a, like some cheese on it. Oh, yeah, it's cotija cheese. Cotija cheese. Yeah. cheese, get it right. My friend Marcella is from Mexico City, and we shared an office, and she would cook for us every now and then. We'd go hang out with her, and she made uh, tacos campechanos and Mexican street corn. And like, holy smokes, she did this. We went to the, the uh, you know, uh, the Spanish market. We yeah. got the... Mm. The, 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 the mayonnaise with lime in it, yeah, the, the right mayo, the, uh, mm. tahine seasoning, the like all the stuff, and she like rolled it, shows how to do it, and it's so simple. Mm-hmm. It's just you know you make the corn, you put the mayonnaise just on it. So simple, the, you just make corn. Yeah, well, you just bake <laughs> you the just corn. corn. You grow corn, you wait like a while, it gets bigger. <laughs> yeah. But man, eating that street corn, good good street Whoa. corn good is street corn unbeatable, is, oh, man. unbeatable. Yeah. And when you have bad street corn. It's very disappointing mm-hmm. because when I order street corn and I get excited about street corn and you bring me some slop to the table, get out. So I'm not going to name the name of this restaurant, well, but we went to one lately. It was a very hipster taco joint and they had like street corn as like an appetizer. And I go, yeah, sure, whatever. Oh. It was not street corn. Was it on the cob? No. No. That's okay. Yeah. See, that's failing. the thing. It has to it's be on the cob. It's got to be on the cob. It has failing. to be on the cob. Whenever you get, cob. whenever you order street corn, they give you like the little pile of the kernels. You're like, what is yeah. this? Yeah, it was that. Is, and it had like all sorts out. of other stuff added in there. And I was like, go. Corn on the cob is the only way to eat corn. What's the number for the health inspector, please? Because <laughs> this is not street corn. Steven, corn dish. So I struggled with this one, right? What? Well, no, no. Not. How could you struggle? How could you not? There are so many. <laughs> there are so many. There are so many. Like, like watching the film, corn when is it's like good. corn is your only crop. I was like, man, I, you have so many choices. I could make that work. I, I could work with this. We've done. Like, <laughs> civilizations have made this work. Yeah. Uh, so I, I had the debate, right, between, mm-hmm. you know, corn on the grill. Like just straight up, just sweet just corn like, on the grill. Just like roasted sweet corn, corn. Yeah, yeah, you know, butter, salt, pepper. Oh, yeah, get in no. there, get that crunch. And you, you do some uh, some old bay on that with some oh, melted yeah. butter. Mm-hmm. Well, you get it, and you get it where you can just kind of spin it in the butter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, now you oh, get a big whole we're getting, stick of butter. We're getting real southern right now. But, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Y'all, I want some of that corn now. <laughs> no, no, Daddy's so, got the corn sweats over so here. The real, the real dish here is... Mm-hmm. Cornbread. Ooh, See, cornbread's good. Yeah, no, no, good, good cornbread. Savory, not the sweet crap. No, get that out of here. Southern savory cornbread. Yep. You put, you get the cast iron skillet. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You lay down a layer get of oil. A, get a nice little yeah. uh, crispy on the edges. Oh, oh yeah. 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 You, you do can it sop you up can some beans with that. Oh, man. Get the <laughs> Darn good, y'all, the it's good crisp where the, the whole main part of the cornbread is is soft and fluffy oh, well, and, you, yeah. and then you, you get the it, crunch you don't want it, at the bottom you don't oh, want it too oh. thick either you no, want no, no, it no. to be like about an inch or an inch uh, and you a need, half you need about an inch yeah. and a half yeah yeah because yeah. if it's too right thick amount. like the middle's it, not as done mealy. right yeah. it's yeah. yeah you gotta yeah no. you gotta be an even consistency but then yeah. like it's so not that the people in interstellar get to experience this but it's so perfect for like you got some chili you just put the cornbread in there. Mm-hmm. Oh. You got, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking me on a journey, right. Steven. Oh, head over here. Like, oh. I mean, he still get, has to host the rest of the episode. Like, <laughs> can we pause and eat a lot of food that's real quick? A, that's a, like, I mean, you get like some like pinto beans and rice. Oh, and some cornbread in there. No, with I'm it. not a big pinto bean fan. Oh, I like yeah, black here, beans. Andy. Uh, it don't matter the bean. It you really can sop matter. up some cornbread in uh, there. Any, anything when you've got that <laughs> sauce that you need to, to collect. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Or like, I mean, like barbecue sauce, whatever. Oh, yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter. Oh, oh. gosh. <laughs> now, if you want to go real nuts with the savory, you, you 
slice up a little bit of jalapeno mm. and scatter that in there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Now, mm. yeah, you have spicy cornbread. Mm. That's a whole another ball game of good. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work with everything, but I'm, man, I love <laughs> cornbread. <laughs> I think this is the most southern conversation we've ever had. Oh <laughs> <Got> my corn! <laughs> Soaping up beans with our cornbread. Anyways, all right, well. Back to the plot summary. <laughs> Earth's future has been riddled by disasters, famines, and droughts. However, they got a lot of corn. There's only one way to ensure mankind's survival. Interstellar travel. A newly discovered wormhole in the far reaches of our solar system allows a team of astronauts to go where no man has gone before. A planet that may have the right environment to sustain human life. Yep, that, that sounds like Interstellar. That yeah, sure it is Interstellar. This movie was released on October 26, 2014, almost 10 years Man, old. Man, that's crazy that it, do, it doesn't feel that old. No, it doesn't. It I feel like it's like well. five years old, but it's like a decade old almost, and mm-hmm. I just got older. Well, you I know the reason why it holds <laughs> up is because Christopher Nolan practical. is practical. Yes, yes, and we'll get into that when we get into some trivia. He's very, very, very practical. Yeah. Uh, directed by Christopher Nolan, obviously. He's very not practical <laughs> in his practical effects. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so we're going to like create a world. Right? No, no, we're going to go visit one. <laughs> get, yeah. get the, get, yeah, it's call like, NASA. It's like the Oppenheimer meme. It's like, wait, he, he didn't really right. y- blow, use up. A blow up a nuclear bomb, right? And Nolan's like, how far away from detonation do we need to be? Well, Chris, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Uh, this was written by Jonathan Nolan and Christopher Nolan, his brother. Some nepotism here. Yeah. Music by Hans Zimmer. Starring Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Jessica Chastain, John Lithgow, Michael Caine, Mackenzie Foy, Timothy Chalamet, and many, many more. Yeah, this, this what cast is an incredible cast. Riddled, oh, fantastic cast, too. With, I, this is just kind of what Nolan does at this point. Right. He just picks up the phone, calls the same five people, and we're like, this is going to be great. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what like Spielberg does. That's what Scorsese does. I mean, it is true. Yes. He's definitely like, I would say after Inception. He's very much the dark night crowd hit that moment of like people want to work with Christopher Nolan. If I, you know, hand Robert Downey Jr. script, he's like, well, yeah, yeah. I want to sign up for this. Yeah. 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 In, in, In red paper. Right. Yeah. <laughs> black black print on red paper yeah. or was it red yeah. print on black either no, way it red, was red hard paper, to read black print. yeah black print like, yeah. Yeah. if you want to know what we're talking about go listen to our Oppenheimer episode it's very shameless, good a Barbenheimer episode the Barbenheimer episode that's right we combined them <laughs> the budget for this movie was 165 million dollars that's a pretty cheap actually, trip down the solar system I mean <laughs> right sure yeah <laughs> the uh, domestic take uh, was 188 million and 490 million international with a Ooh. 678 million worldwide good total. Good job, not Christopher bad. Nolan. Not bad, not Christopher bad. Nolan movies always do pretty good yeah. internationally. Which is they, honestly yeah. kind of impressive because this is the type of film where you really need to, one, understand the dialogue. Like, you need mm-hmm. a good translation. And two, it's pretty long. This is a, almost a two hour, 50 yeah, minute it's like minute. Two, yeah, it's pretty long. 249, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, okay, overall thoughts. Uh, what do we think about it? I'll let Steven go first. You really want me okay. to go first on Why? this? Because I know he's going to bring us down, and I'm going to bring oh, us right back okay. up. Okay, so you don't want to start. We start negative. We yeah. get in the dirt, and then we come up. <laughs> All right, Steven, do your thing. <laughs> sure. Just like, go ahead. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's like, this is my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> You're going like, to release the pig to come wallow. <laughs> do whatever you want, Steven. Do whatever you want, Steven. No, yeah, what's up? What are you, what are okay, you so we're going to preface this with, I've yeah. never seen this film until I watched it for this review. Okay. Uh, so did you avoid it on any reason or just you just never got around? No, it just went right past me. I'm not like, 
I, I've never watched a Nolan film, but like, man, I hate this. Mm-hmm. But I'm also not been, you know, I think uh, one of our Nolan bonus fan. episodes, uh, we had a patron on doing trivia. Mm-hmm. And it was mentioned, like, Nolan has, like, five of the top 50 on IMDb. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. we were all kind of like, that feels a little weighted. A little high. Yeah. 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 So I'm not also not in the camp of, like, Nolan's the greatest ever, or he's well, the most Well, I, I definitely feel just, that a lot of cinema buffs do kind of look at Nolan. They're like, oh, well, Nolan is, like, yeah, you know, yeah there's definitely a push right. the glasses mm-hmm. back. Yeah. There, yeah, uh, and you know, like this is a very science-heavy film. It is, yeah. Uh, and we open it with ghosts. <laughs> I mean, and they're not really. Basically, no, they're as not real soon ghosts. as that sequence started, I was like, "Man, I know where this movie's gonna go." <laughs> really? Yes. Okay. And part of that, I think, is just the amount of time between its release and now. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay. like you, you've, you've more you've time, had, like for, tertiary for stuff to play off yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, first. 25 minutes i was like well i know where this is headed mm. and it felt kind of bad in that sense like it kind of like i've ruined my own experience with the film and then well, as it's like a went, personal problem i'm no, just too smart for the rest of the it's world not even that. <laughs> it's literally just like if i had seen this in theaters i probably would come out and be like whoa mind blown right mm-hmm. but it's like i uh, my wife never saw the matrix so yeah. like, well we have to watch that and she watched yeah, you know, it's okay. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Of course, for me at the time, seeing it in theaters. Copper was, top, they're batteries. Yeah. Like, well, it's because, like, the, you know, the big thing is, is, like, a lot of, like, Matrix particularly mm-hmm. created yeah, like, tropes. Like, for her, bullet yeah. time is just like, oh, they're doing this again. It's like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> this you is know? when they did it. Yeah. It was mind-blowing. But what has uh, what played off Interstellar a lot? I don't know. Like, offhand, I don't I really mean, know. general popular media, but I think, does, would probably I, I pick do up feel like a lot of elements. Or and it may be some of the science discussion around the film has just kind of filtered just through mm-hmm. internet browsing or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so like, I don't hate the film by any means. I think you know the the, the acting is great. Mm-hmm. It's a Nolan film. The cinematography is great. Uh, I think I do think the plot's a little weak. Okay. I have complaints. We're gonna get in there. Sure. We'll get that get in the there. Wall, we get yeah. off the spoiler wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the music's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's a little long. But it mostly had, like, for the most part, like, there was a point midway into this film, maybe two-thirds of the way in, where I was like, boy, they've really got me. And then I had to, like, pause it for something. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's 49 minutes left of this film. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Well, so. and that's the thing, too, is, is like, there. I think the film is actually paced quite well. It is. It is, honestly. It like, flows it, it is a long smoothly. movie. Mm-hmm. However, it does a really good job at keeping you engaged mm-hmm. in the minutiae of, like, kind of, like, the mechanics of how they're getting through certain obstacles. The things that happen, yeah. yeah. And, like, it does a good job of, it doesn't, like, stop for them to, like, stare at the screen and just, like, info dump. Mm -hmm. Like, just the discussions amongst the characters gives you enough. There is a lot of... enough context to keep... Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of good show-don't-tell. Yeah. There's not just, like, overt exposition, except for, like, maybe one or two times. But it's always done... It's it's uh, always done in a way that is. It doesn't feel like they're talking to the audience. Yes, no. it, it feels yeah, like it they're just catching him up on like mm-hmm. genuinely what yeah. you would be getting caught up yeah. on. Yeah. Well, I mean, these are these people. Like he's a you know, engineer, test pilot. Like he's fairly well mm-hmm. technically adept, right? Yeah. But like these are you know theoretical physicists who have probably spent far too long on their PhDs, right? Like they're, yeah, right. they're, they're several magnitudes above like on math and whatnot. Like it's kind of expected. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's. He's just a pilot at that point. Right. Yeah. 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 But I mean, again, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It wasn't like the biggest, whoa, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I have, I have some issues with, uh, 
there's a bit of an idiot ball problem in here in the middle of this film. I'm curious about what idiot ball that is, but uh, it'll yeah, come up. Too. Don't worry. We'll yeah. get into it. We'll get into the weeds. <laughs> okay. Uh, so one of y'all pick it up. Andrew, what do you think about this movie? I love this movie. Tell me why. Yeah. Uh, Speak on that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, uh, one, I definitely saw this in theaters mm-hmm. day one, IMAX, yeah. you know, and right. then I think we went and saw it again the same weekend. And this is definitely yeah. a Nolan film, I think, where the the bigger the screen, the better. Yes. I oh, don't, yeah. like something like Oppenheimer, I don't necessarily know that's true. No, there's there's certain scenes in Oppenheimer where it probably, but it's it's such a small percentage. There's a lot of this. There's a lot of this film where I want to see, you know, an event horizon as big as it can be, right? Right, Yeah, kind of thing. But so, one, I I think the acting's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. The overarching story is really, really good. There are some issues that I do have with plot at the end of the film. However, it's not enough that really it bothers me to to knock it anywhere down. Like this is probably within definitely within my top ten just favorite films. I mean, this mm-hmm. is, so this watching this, this is very two thousand and one. It is, which I was like, oh, there's okay. a lot of inspiration. Like, well, I was like, yeah, yeah, I know why Andrew loves this. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can yeah. see why. There, there's a lot of Arthur C. Clarke kind of concepts that get thrown into this. He's oh, one yeah. of my favorite authors. Yeah, and I think Hans Zimmer knocks it out of the park with this soundtrack. This is one of my favorite scores from Hans. Yes. Maybe my favorite. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's on the day. You like know? Top three, if Ooh. not one. Like, I think it's, it's up so It's up there. It's so yeah. good, and. And it's so different than what Christopher Nolan other films are kind of about because mm-hmm. there's really no like I'll say action. Like, like there's there, a little like, bit. There's some, but there's yeah, it's some, not like it, it's um, not like an action movie. No, right. yeah, yeah. And I think that's what makes it so interesting because like there it is relatively science heavy, mm-hmm. but it's kind of science adjacent to where they don't bog you down with like really hard line details. Well, they, all the equations are on the chalkboard, but we don't go line by line through exactly. the equations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's yeah. still it's still enough of I'll say an arcade experience to where you can experience it without having like deep understanding knowledge of how space works well, you're, and how you're right. in time dilation works. Seat, right? You're yes. the pilot at this point. You're not going to you know get up there and run with these people on math. Yeah. Sort of thing. But I, I think the biggest takeaway for me with this film is it is a deeply emotional connection with the characters mm-hmm. that you get yeah. to go along on Matthew McConaughey's journey and Anne Hathaway's and some of the other crew members, like their journey through this whole ordeal and there are definitely moments in this film where, like, I cry every time I see it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Ryan? Same for me. I, I love this movie. Um, I mean, I, I'm a Christian, Christopher Nolan fan, but I'm not one of those people You're that's like... like hey, yeah, pushed like, his glasses up when he said it, people. I saw it. <laughs> oh, they're always up. Why? No. Uh, there's, to me, there's a difference between being a fan of someone and being, like, just up somebody's butt. Stand. How, like, yeah, like a stand. Like, mm-hmm. I don't... I'm not, like... Christopher Nolan's done no wrong. I just really like a lot of his movies. He's done because well, he, he makes wrong. good He's movies. British, isn't he? Yes. I mean, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but he does make just good yeah. movies. He does, yes. And I think, too, for me, like, he's one of the few directors that are, like, making blockbusters mm-hmm. that are making, like, hard sci-fi or, yes. like, well, movies that have, like, really interesting and, like, risky premises sometimes. Yeah. He's simultaneously yeah. critically acclaimed and makes money Every time he goes out, right? right. Yeah. Well, and it all—he also goes into the exact genre that I genuinely enjoy, which is hard sci-fi. Right. Like that, that's kind of like where because like I haven't even, I haven't seen Tenant, but 
you know, it's definitely one of those things where Interstellar, like, well, the second I saw the trailers for this movie, mm-hmm. I was like, that looks like a movie I want to see. And then I, I don't, I, I don't walked, even remember the trailer for this film. Honestly, oh, really? I can't remember either, but I, I must remember have been walking on a rock or something. I don't know, 20, 2014. 2014. Yeah. yeah. Probably was. I, I mean, I was like all about Interstellar when I saw the trailer. Mm-hmm. You know? But, anyways, saw it in theaters. Yeah. Loved it. Uh, I like the the emotional side of it for mm-hmm. me, like the relationship with, with uh, Matthew McConaughey's character and uh, his daughter Coop and Murph. Yeah. Um, I, I love Matthew McConaughey in this movie. Like I'm a big Matthew McConaughey fan. Like I think, but I think a lot this of one really shows off a lot of his acting chops. Oh yeah. Well, like, you know, he had other movies before this where he had kind of the breakout yeah. acting where he had kind of switched from being the guy from like Sahara and you know, well, oh, this was, don't, don't put, don't but I'm saying like Sahara. Pe- people pigeonholed <laughs> Matt, Matthew McConaughey. Ew. <laughs> they pigeonholed him for a long time as just like this like hippie dude, that, kind of a dumb jock. Yeah, because he had like a run of like rom coms. He had a run of like kind of action comedies. I mean, he's great. And stuff. He's well, great he had U571. Thank he you did. very much. He had like oh my a gosh, time to kill. He is in that. He's oh, the main yeah. character. I saw that in theaters. Cool. I, <laughs> I know. I felt how I feel too. Put, put that in your diary. <laughs> he, what it. I'm getting at is that there was a hot minute where Hollywood had kind of like made Matthew McConaughey this like he he's just this hunky guy that can be yeah. in the, like this and like he wasn't getting roles for stuff and then like mm-hmm. he did uh, mud and then I think Christopher Nolan saw him in mud and was like holy cow this guy can act so well, he, and that was around True Detective right True Detective yeah. season one so like for this movie I think you know one of the trivia things is Nolan wanted somebody who could play like an everyman, That's but who could definitely McConaughey, but who could yeah. also convey the emotion mm-hmm. needed to experience these moments, like yeah. these scenes, like this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, we can't just have anybody. Cause you could get like a Daniel day Lewis. Who's like a really good actor, but can he be like an everyman? You know, like maybe yeah. he could, he can act like anything. The guy's incredible. <laughs> but like when I think of Daniel day Lewis, I don't usually think of like the everyman. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. McConaughey seems very relatable. Right, yeah. So he, it was like he he struck that perfect balance there, and like everybody in this movie, like Jessica Chastain's great, mm-hmm. uh, um, John Lithgow's really good, and it like Anne Hathaway. It's hilarious Everybody's to see great. John Lithgow. Be like, oh, I know you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he do the Leo meme. Yeah. Point, like, He's from Third Rock from the Sun. Oh, this, is the, this is the dude with the big head in Third Rock. Yeah. But uh, I, I agree that, you know, past the spoiler wall, we'll get into some plot stuff. But it's towards the end of the movie where I have any kind of issues. But for me, the 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 pure, like, just combination of the visuals, the music, the acting, mm-hmm. the storyline of, like, w- w- the journey they're taking you on just, like, completely floored me in theaters and, like, I when I uh, got it on 4K Blu-ray, it's the version that has the IMAX scenes are like full frame mm-hmm. and the, yeah. the yeah. dialogue. And like every time they they go through any of the special effects scene, it just goes full. You're like, wah! But Shh. see, I'm also a huge fan of 2001. Yeah, and so like I feel like there's a lot of the there, there's a lot of overlap. Yeah, this is yeah. definitely a movie for me as a Nolan fan and a 2001 fan. This was just like and a Matthew McConaughey are, fan. Yeah. <laughs> I, the perfect storm. Yeah, like I'm not gonna walk out of this movie not enjoying it. Uh, see, see, the thing is, I'm a huge Matthew McConaughey fan. Yeah, from Sahara, from, specifically well, only from Sahara. No, no, from basically everything he's been in. No, he's I a fantastic. I, I can't actor. think of a movie yeah. where I've been like, ugh, you know, he's no. Even in Contact, he's he's really good. Oh man, yeah. hey, that's another good, movie I want to review at some point. Good. Yeah, Jodie Foster, just, Matthew McConaughey. Just call it a sci-fi podcast. Let's go. Let's do it. I um, mean, it half is. Anyways, <laughs> basically, are. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like. It's it's good, it just has issues okay. simultaneously. It's good, but it has issues. I'll be curious to hear what your issues are because I love this movie. <laughs> 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 All right, so uh, would you recommend it? So I 
Let's start with Steven. Oh, would yeah, you sure. recommend it? I mean, sure. To who? Who would you recommend it to? Uh, so, I mean, the caveats are going to be, one, it's very long. Mm-hmm. Two, it's it's very uh, it's not just a very science driven film. It's yep. a very character driven film, right? Like we're not going to get out and shoot lasers at each other. There's not that kind of action, right? In this, yeah. So like, you got to know what you're getting in for. Uh, it is a very hard sci fi film, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and and with the hard sci fi does come a little level of complexity particularly with how time dilation works that you will need to be able to understand yeah. to, to follow where a lot of the light film. Year, you can watch this. Mm, I don't know. No. You know what? I don't know. You know I have Lightyear friends that saw it with me in theater that were clueless. Yeah, but Lightyear hadn't come out yet. <laughs> oh, okay. That, that was it. That was the problem. <laughs> that was, that's the key to unlock Dang it, Christopher. Just hold on to your movie. That's clearly the problem here. <laughs> I hope that's yeah. actually not how I figured out some of this is Lightyear. Ugh. <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> you feel worse now. Because that was a play on a lot of the stuff that happened. It was, <laughs> yes. It oh, no. feel a lot worse. Yeah. So, so would you recommend this movie, Andrew? Uh, yes, absolutely. So I think that if you're not someone like Steven, yes. that can be like, oh, I watched the first five minutes and I already know what happens at the end. <laughs> yeah. The uh, Corn kills everyone. <laughs> I think I think that this is a very Didn't good enough bread. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If if hard sci-fi and those kind of films are really your wheelhouse, and you haven't seen this for whatever reason, it is a paradigm shifting film. So let's unpack what a hard sci-fi is versus soft sci-fi. So uh, soft sci-fi is generally something like Star Wars, Star Trek, mm-hmm. uh, generally more far future. Uh, some te- Star Trek gets into hard sci-fi. Mm, no, not, really. not at all. Well, the difference to me has always been if I was talking to a, a, a normal person like who's not really into sci-fi yeah. and has like a life, I would be like, <laughs> Star Wars is soft sci-fi because well, Star Wars is fantasy. But like you don't yeah, you don't yeah, know yeah. how the Millennium Falcon runs on fuel. You it don't get into yeah, you, that. Don't, you don't you don't yeah, need. Yeah. That. Understand that. Star Trek, you have to have a little bit of knowledge of how dilithium crystals work to understand the problems that arise yes. when they have stuff. So I mean, to me, that's they, kind of a the, the problem with Star Trek is they just kind of throw a techno babble at the screen and they live do. with it. I so, mean, they they describe like what was it? The amount of energy to pierce the shield is like the amount of energy right. you expend walking about flight of steps. Oh, okay. Well, well to so, me, some of it's like like soft sci-fi. The science is not the point. Well, the science science fiction is just the is, set dress. That is where Star Trek gets into real sci-fi. Is they tell they touch on not just just the um, the science, but like the cultural effects, the impacts of right. yeah. the, the emotional human results of the science. Right. But like what I'm saying Star is, Star Wars like, doesn't touch on that. Star Wars is like science fiction is the set dressing. Yes. yes. Star Trek science fiction is like the point. It's like the plot. It's Correct. like what's moving things forward. Well, and, and so like a true hard sci-fi is going to be closer to something like Dune or mm-hmm. uh, The Martian or a 2001 Space Odyssey or whatever. Because I don't, I, I don't know if I put Dune in those. Well, lists, no. Now we're just re- arguing about what hard sci-fi well, is. Well, no. So the re- <laughs> the, the re- <laughs> like hard sci-fi is basically you. it is based in some level of reality it's, to where everything that exists in the universe has a specific purpose and it is explained why it exists. It, Not for, everything, for most though. hard Pretty sci-fi, you are taking whatever the current time period is, so like current time, and you're only going one or two steps out. For when you get into like a Star Trek, you go way out on that branch, right? Yeah, but like Dune is way out thin. on that branch. That's no, why, that's no, why no, I'm that's the saying thing, Dune doesn't Dune, count as much. Frank Herbert was the almost the grandfather of hard sci-fi. Fight me. But like in this movie, they don't I'm explain like, every single no, thing. No, they don't. No. But they but the but, main but the, plot the, point is time dilation, and they very specifically tell you how it works. Right. 
and well, go and also, over like, again. Everything that happens is only a step or two beyond where we are. Yeah, where we are. It's right. not. It's not a big reach, and most of it can be tracked back to real theories, real science. Yeah. So to simplify it, hard sci-fi is very realistic. Soft sci-fi is very like fantasy. It's pushing fantasy. Yeah. yeah. Like it's it doesn't matter. Like the technology is borderline magic. Yes. Right. But back to what I was saying. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> tangent over. All right. So that unless you're, unless you're someone like Steven who just figures out movies within the first five uh, minutes. Yeah. Cause if, he looks it up on line. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. course. Yeah. yeah totally he so I think it is a, if you are, if this is in your wheelhouse, it is a paradigm shifting film. Yeah. So my father, whenever we watched it, he had never seen it before. And we watched it over here on a movie night, mm-hmm. like last year. Yeah. And I like him walking out. He wanted to go sit back down and watch it again. Oh, wow. Like, literally right after we finished I, Yeah, it. I can see this being, like, absolutely your, your dad's, like, yeah. wheelhouse. And, yeah. and, 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 I mean, it's part, you know, we're part of the same family here. Like, we grew up on this, or I grew up on the stuff that he loved, and he loved right. hard sci-fi, Arthur C. Clarke, that kind of stuff. So this is right in his wheelhouse, and he just absolutely loved it. So if you like that kind of stuff, and you want a little bit more meat to your bone than something like Star Wars, where it's just right. kind of, like, stuff happens, the Force exists, there's, there's magic. There's lasers and laser swords. Yeah, laser that swords. kind of stuff. If you want something yeah. a little bit harder than that, then this is your this is your bag. Yeah, I think so. And like my friend Charles, he loves this movie. And to my knowledge, I don't think he's a big fan of like 2001 or mm-hmm. like other stuff like that. Well, in 2001, like it's a fantastic film, yeah. but it is inherently boring. Yes. It, it is a slow yeah. If you're a big build. fan of, say, like, The Expanse, yes. then mm-hmm. Interstellar is going to be in your Or if you're a fan of Interstellar and you haven't read The Expanse, right. you need to go read The Expanse. I need to read The Expanse. <laughs> you do. You do, in fact. Oh, yes. so you good. I really do. Yeah. I, I'm, I've been on, like, a six-month wait list at the library. I'm about to just buy the books. I'm I'll just, just gift them to you. I'll just loan you. We have well, specifically the audio books, oh, so I can listen yeah. to on the way I back and gift forth. them to you. I'll give you my ad, like, my whole account. Do it now. <laughs> On air. Give me your password. <laughs> Can we I'll hold you to it. Mother's you want maiden name and your social. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and go make me some street corn while we're at it. Do whatever. Okay, uh, so I would guess that that means you would rewatch it, Andrew. No, I would never rewatch this film <laughs> ever again. I, I would rewatch it a lot. It. What a so beast. I obviously would rewatch it. Steven, let's talk to you. Would you rewatch this movie? Yeah. So in what context do you think, though? Uh, well, I think I just probably a little bit more time. Clockwork Orange style. <laughs> just eyes held. <laughs> no, like, so, yeah, so it's not like you're going to go out and watch it, like, next weekend. It's like you're going to wait It didn't years. have a thing. Yeah. Like, this is one of those films, I think, that, that is heavy enough, right? It hits yeah. hard enough on the emotional side. you got to be in the mood. That you, yeah. gotta, you have to get up and walk around a little bit when it's done. Right? <laughs> you do, yeah. And kind of, you know, collect yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's not something where it's, like, next week, we got a party, friends are, let's just put <laughs> this on. Oh, an interstellar. Yeah. So, check out my new surround sound. <laughs> Yeah. I do uh, put this in when I'm showing off the surround sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What if I told you you could go to a place where time dilation is real? Oh no. <laughs> where in one hour. You can, you can watch spin, a whole film. You can, <laughs> in, you can ingest an entire film. Can you right. do that anyways? <laughs> no, not in an hour. Could you watch Interstellar in an hour? Absolutely not. You I don't know, know if I. If I you, you ran it on YouTube and you put the playback speed at like one point five. Please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, spoilersintendedpodcast.com. 
you can go and watch or listen to all of our previous episodes. Yeah. I mean, you can watch them too. You can just watch the little tag. You can watch the little bar move across. Yeah, it will feel like time is moving so slowly. <laughs> Has it been seven years? No, it's just an hour. Seven years. <laughs> but we also have links there to things like our Discord, our Patreon, and our socials. Yes, yeah, so like on our Discord, where you can like see all sorts of. You can also watch conversations happen. <laughs> Between, in real time. In real time. Between all sorts of uh, people that get in there. Again, our Discord is free. Anybody that likes our podcast, come on in, have a discussion. We talk about the episodes. We talk about what we've been cooking. We talk about our pets. Uh, other video video games we're video playing. Video games we're we we listening to right now. All yeah, kinds of stuff. We're just hanging out in there. It's a good time. Well, we also have social media. We only have two accounts. We have Facebook and Instagram. Every week we try and post where we're, what we're going to watch mm-hmm. uh, for this coming week. So you can go and, ahead and where and, to watch it. And where to watch it and kind of get along with that. And... Um, yeah, you know. Yeah, just, follow us. Just follow us. It'd be really great. Yeah. Oh man, and I we're love back. That soundtrack. Great we're past song. the spoiler wall. It's so good. This, this is really good. Song. is going to cost us about forty-five minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that means we're past the spoiler wall, which means if you have not seen this movie and you do not want to be spoiled, turn back now. This is your last chance because we're going to get into... Free us or die. <laughs> yes. What? No, Star Wars. Uh. Okay, I was trying to think, when in this movie? Does yeah, I was like, I'm so confused. I don't remember that happening Return at Return of the Jedi. Okay, I was like, <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, let's crack into some trivia here. Okay. All right. So, uh, you know, earlier we were talking about you know, hard sci-fi and, you know, things like that. Christopher so, Nolan went to the Andromeda Galaxy and found a black hole. <laughs> he did. No, he worked really closely Beyond with Alpha Centauri. Uh, Dr. Kip Thorne on all sorts of stuff about not only black holes mm-hmm. and time dilation and all that kind of stuff. When they were, Well, Jonathan Nolan, too, when they were, yeah. like, writing the script mm-hmm. and go back and forth. Uh, and early in pre-production, Dr. Kip Thorne laid down two guidelines to strictly follow. Nothing would violate established physical laws and that all the wild speculations that would spring from the science. Uh, and w- w- but basically, anything we're speculating on springs from science and yes. not from the creative mind of a screenwriter. Uh, fantastical. Right. Yeah. yeah, so mm-hmm. it's not like they're just coming up with, what if this? It's th- There has to be at least a theory or some kind of like... So, so again, connection. we're in the hard side definition of reality and then go take it one yeah, step One further. extra step just yeah. to make a story out of it. Yeah. Well, well, you just you want to push what yeah. science is doing and, and see what the future could mm-hmm. hold, right? Well, and I know that the model that they, they made the black hole look like was essentially the model like for science to like move forward and like this is what they base what black holes look like now so like to that point here's another piece of trivia (laughs) so to create the wormhole and black hole dr kip thorne collaborated with visual effects supervisor paul j franklin and his team at double negative uh so the thorne provided basically pages and pages of deeply sourced theoretical equations to the team which then created a new cgi software program based on the equations to create accurate computer simulations of basically the phenomena, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And some individual frames took up to 100 hours to render, and ultimately the whole CGI program reached to 800 terabytes of data. Good Lord. So the resulting visual effects provided Thorne with new insight into the effects of gravitational lensing yep. 
and uh, accretion disks surrounding black holes and led him to writing two scientific papers, yep. one for the astrophysics community and one for the computer graphics community. Yeah, which is phenomenal. Which is wild it's that so this cool. one movie, like, they got together and tried to make the most realistic black hole ever, and, like, both the scientific and CGI community were like, thanks for that. <laughs> from it. Yeah. We appreciate it. Well, he also wrote a book, right, about all the science in that it was involved yeah. in it. Yeah. yeah, there was a ton of trivia about him. I, I left a lot of it out because I was like, we're just, it's going to be a Dr. Kip Thorne trivia. podcast. Podcast, you know? <laughs> documentary. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did find interesting here was that Steven Spielberg was originally attached to direct this sure movie back was. in 06. Ugh. Yeah, right? and so he hired Jonathan Nolan to write the screenplay. Mm. So uh, instead he chose um, other projects, and in 2012 that after his probably did bark, not make as much money. Probably not. I'm trying to think what Spielberg would have left. To Ready so Player One, maybe. Like so, 06. Oh, was no, that, in 06. No, that, was, that was not that long ago, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Ready Player One was pretty like 2017. recent. 2017. I don't know. Yeah, because we all went to go see it together. Yeah, yeah we all so saw it. 2017, 2018. I don't know. Somewhere in there, yeah. yeah. It doesn't well, matter. What's it wasn't funny a good movie. is you brought up Spielberg. I was like, man, I feel like I read this trivia, but I didn't. It was actually about Big Fish from earlier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Spielberg was also tapped coming off of my Big Report. Fish. I, I would fish. not want to see Interstellar with me neither. Spielberg. It would probably be like his version of AI where he took over after Kubrick, where it's like, it's fine, but it's like, yeah. not quite. But, anyways, so it was originally, I think, gonna be a Spielberg movie but then when it didn't Jonathan Nolan who had written it turned to his brother Christopher and was like would you you know want to do this and Christopher Nolan's like this is exactly what I wanted to do for my entire life right yeah <laughs> it's, like, it's perfect oh, oh I've yeah. ever wanted best birthday it's ever like, I've got so many ideas we're gonna make completely new graphical models oh, yeah. for, for black holes for the whole of science community <laughs> so speaking of that graphical model in the wormhole <laughs> uh, it was placed near Saturn as a reference to 2001 A Space Odyssey yep because uh, Kubrick originally planned for part of the movie to take place at Saturn, uh, which was also a storyline in the book, our yeah. C. Clark, C. Clark novel. But unfortunately, as visual effects technology was not able to make Saturn's rings at the time, he changed it to Jupiter for yep. 2001 A Space Odyssey. So yeah. they put it near Saturn as like a uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. To like, We've you come know, far enough now to actually represent yeah. Saturn on screen. All right, let's, let's get into some spectacle. We, we've talked about the black hole and the, the mm-hmm. CGI and stuff. So what did, uh, what did you guys think about the spectacle? Steven. Oh, it's really well done. Yeah. I think a yeah. lot of what makes it really well done is not the CGI. And the CG, like, honestly, if you had come at me and be like, this is what a black hole looks like, I'd be like, all right, yeah, sure. You know, <laughs> like, I, don't, I can't dispute this, you know? Like, uh, you come at it with all this, well, we did all this science and everything else. Like, it's, like, it's great. I'm glad it benefited. But, I mean, it could have probably looked like several other things, and I would have still bought it. Yeah. I think yeah. it's the interiors of the space station, the spaceship, the, 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 the farmhouse. Mm-hmm. Like, all these things are so tactile. The lander yeah. that they have. Oh, the ranger? Mm-hmm. The ra- yeah. Well, the ranger and right, the lander, because yeah. they're yeah. two separate ships, are both great. Uh, I love, like, TARS. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, this so Tars was real. Yeah. Yeah, like, like that's what I'm saying. Like, like that, like, one, the design initially looked dumb as all get out uh, to me. <laughs> but once you see it in motion. One, once they get it out and move and, like, what they do with it throughout the film. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, this is a really cool concept and design. Uh, yeah. It's not, you know, the typical future robot that you get. Well, whenever you think of that, you think of, like, Lost in Space or something. Right. Well, a bit, yeah. Danger Will Robinson. Yeah, yeah. yeah with the wacky, wavy, Yeah, kind of, like, arms, arms and, like, <laughs> yeah. they have, like, bipedal legs well, typically and stuff. It's, very, it's a very yeah. humanoid shape, right? It is, yeah. Right. And it's like, well, there's so much, especially, you know, again, in our current era of robots, mm-hmm. robotics right. right now, like, there's so much more that you can do 
Because, like, let's be honest, is the human shape decent for locomotion? Sure. But, like, if we could cheat, why are we not putting some extra legs on this? Why don't, mm-hmm. we, why don't we have your... Let's put ten can- legs on this bad boy. Cantilevered <laughs> arms. Or like, why don't we... Why are these things or, not? Or, yeah. yeah, whenever you can just turn your arms into pinwheels and just run. Just run. Yeah. Your what, whole body is just ver- like... What if my version of yeah. running is rolling, <laughs> Yeah, right? Like right. a permanent cartwheel. Mm-hmm. So what, one little piece of trivia about the, uh, you know, spectacle and the special effects since you're talking about things that feel tactile and stuff it's like like inception and the last two dark knight movies christopher nolan was obviously obsessed with you know focusing on as many real environments as possible mm-hmm. uh so they have spatial interiors and they built closed sets and shot it basically like a documentary where the actors were like really there mm-hmm. uh nolan also had the visual effects created in advance so all the cgi was done before they even started shooting oh that's so good. That, so they can actually pull it off of it. it he projected yeah. it yeah, yeah like on each set instead like, of it just being a green screen this was yeah. the volume Imagine before the, black the volume hole. yeah yeah much, and yeah. so it, in like the, the space uh craft set like they they projected it onto screen so that <sighs> matthew mcconaughey and, mm-hmm. and it, they, they can look out and see yep what's going like to the be space like station, yeah, yeah, through the window. Disney, take note. They yeah, did. To me, that uh, they did they learned in some the wrong, wrong way. Lessons, <laughs> yeah. All the wrong lessons. Not but to all, me, that but some. That is also, I think, another reason that I like Christopher Nolan so much, and I have such a a, a, a nerd appreciation for him as someone who does you know video creation mm-hmm. professionally. Like, I love it when someone doesn't take the cheap route and do like just CG this, put them on a green screen here, it's fine. Which is I think another reason why I dislike the prequels a lot is just because the execution of them was just like green screen this, green screen that, it's fine. So Christopher Nolan is very similar to um, Hayao Hayao Miyazaki Mm -hmm. who really takes the time to- Hone in on the details. Yeah, really like, like there's so much detail in the background and like all this kind of stuff where he doesn't take shortcuts and he hasn't done that for decades that he's made films and Christopher Nolan is very similar to that where he is if he can make it practically he will do it practically regardless of cost well and to to be fair to like you know step back a little bit he can do that because he brings in so much money and his name has a lot of clout he's he's built the brand of himself Mm -hmm. and so like the average director coming up today you can't can't just be like I want 180 million dollars and I'm gonna do all practical and and they're like get out of here executives come down to visit and he just brushes them off. Yeah, you're not going right. to do that on your directorial debut. It's just not going to happen. But I, I feel like Nolan and Denis Villeneuve have like very similar aesthetic styles on some levels where they do like the the tactile, mm-hmm. real sets, the real cockpits, the real, you know, they're not just somebody sitting on a green screen or like um, like the Hobbit movies where, you know, Ian McKellen's <laughs> losing his mind on this yeah. green screen. Like, what am oh. I doing? There's also a clip of uh, somebody writing like a, oh, it was a uh, Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones, where she's just on this big green dragon head on a green <laughs> yeah. set, flopping around and has no context of what mm-hmm. she's looking around at, and she's getting all mad because it's well, like I'm yeah, just I was up thinking here. of like Ewan McGregor from uh, the prequels. Oh yeah, where it's just like it's just a giant room full of green squares, and he's on. I think it's the lizard from the second movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah. it's just like. Yeah, giddy up. It's like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, I mean, so so Robert Downey Jr. has commented about working on Marvel films before mm-hmm. where, you know, people are like, oh, do you enjoy working on films? He's like, I just show up. I, you know, I get into a rubber suit and I say some lines that I don't have any idea what they mean. Right. And that's it. Because, yeah. like, he, like, he's not acting against anything. He's just, like... 
Well, it's, I feel like in some of the movies, like especially Iron Man three, he probably got more one on one with like uh, Don Cheadle and yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. But like to uh, to the point of like, yeah, he's not playing off of anybody in a lot of like in game. Mm-hmm. He was probably in very few of those scenes, actually physically in the same yeah. room with a lot of the actors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know he's complaining about a lot of like the in helmet shots right. because it's literally him with just his head, and all he has to do is say his lines and kind of look left to right or right to left, and then right. they just like, animate what I, everything else around it. What am I supposed to do for this? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's it's to me it, it makes a huge difference, and I, I didn't realize that before I you know started producing this episode that like he had done all the CG beforehand so that he could project it mm-hmm. for the actors to yeah, see. It but makes I was a like, lot of sense. That's huge, especially for certain sequences like the uh, the spinning sequence. Oh yeah, right? yeah. you really <laughs> need like if McConaughey is just kind of looking upwards at, at nothing. Yeah, I don't know if you get as good a performance from him as you can get because well, you can actually see the object. You right, know what I mean? and and that whole specific scene, which I was actually about to bring up mm-hmm. is it's definitely one of those where like it's kind of like the emotional not the emotional climax of the film mm-hmm. but it is the the climax of the film action wise right and yes. you have this really long sequence of Matt Damon's character uh, essentially stealing the ship and trying to dock with it and not listening to any of the warnings or whatever right. and you know then obviously blowing himself up yeah. and and causing catastrophic damage to the um uh, to the big space. Oh, I can't I'm trying to the name of it. it. Yeah. yeah, the yeah. Yeah. And then you have this whole sequence of him of Matthew McConaughey's character just trying to dock with it. Right. And, and obviously succeeding because he's very good at what he does. Yeah. And it's definitely one of those where like if they didn't have any kind of visual reference to act off of, it would fall so much more flat. I, I don't presumably think you get as good. Presumably, like, I don't yeah. think you get like they're good actors. I don't think you get as good a performance. Yeah. And are we may be talking about a 5 or 10% difference, but it's that extra step that pushes it, you know, above and beyond. Right? Yes. Like yeah. that's that's what's necessary, I think. The the other thing is too with the way that they illuminated and shot all of the or created all of the CGI exterior shots of the space or like in space mm-hmm. of the actual uh, ships and everything is mm-hmm. so good. It feels Real. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with any kind of like actual footage of space shuttles and the space station outside, where you can see, you know, basically a planet in the background and then just the sun and, and whatever, you, like you have these kind of, it's just a very specific feel. I don't know how yeah. to describe it, where there's really not a lot of like contrast. And yeah. they do such a good job at replicating this, it makes it feel so tactile that it like it does make it look like they actually just did this in space. Well, we know that they didn't. It's one of those movies where to me like if you're not just like really analyzing it, you can't catch a lot of the CG because mm-hmm. it looks realistic. It's not like glaringly obvious that like oh that's CG. Look at that. Like there's a hard edge around this green screen. The key's not yeah. good. You know what I mean? Like there's no moment where it's like hitting you over the head that this is a special effect. It just looks like the film looks. Yep. And I think a lot of the ship shots were practical ships on top of... Like scale models. Scale or, models yeah. and stuff. So that probably lends a lot to the, mm-hmm. the 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 look of them being like more realistic. Well, they probably looked at all the footage of how they faked the moon landing and then oh, yeah. just sure. replicated uh, it. Let's perpetuate that. Yeah. Please. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think we definitely landed on the moon. That, that, that scene too, like when the teacher's like talking about how like, well, it, I believe it was a hoax that bankrupt the Soviet. I was like, it's it, a great it's job, made me great piece of propaganda. Angry. What a perfect example of, of government in action. The world could be ending 
but let's make sure that we don't that we enforce we don't perpetuate what, the enforce what we're <laughs> yeah. teaching so that children don't look up; they need to look down. Don't right. dream. Don't hope. Yeah. Don't hope. What's, what's wrong with you people? All right, well, let's uh, let's move into performance. I sound like we're, we've we've covered spectacle. So speaking of performance, talking about looking down in the dirt, that one line and that scene on the the front porch with Matthew McConaughey and John Lithgow, where he's like, you know, we used to look up to the sky, now we're just staring at the dirt, and like you know, like go. Yeah. I, that's not the exact quote. Yeah. But like uh, that that line was like, oh, that's a good line. Like whatever he said, mm-hmm. and then th- there's just a bunch of lines from him. There's actually a lot of, to me, in the performance through McConaughey, a lot of subtle humor that comes from him in a lot well, of scenes. He's, he's very dry. Yeah, he is. But, very, you know, Murph, very dry. He comes back from the the teacher conference. How'd it go? I got you suspended. You know, it's, just <laughs> like, it's the way he delivers it, though. He just like he has that pause before he says it that he just says it. Yeah, like oh my gosh. Well, and I think that's that's a really good kind of segue into him and Murph's. Um, uh, like, like the father daughter, yeah, like they're the, kind of the dynamic here, yeah. in relationship because they have it's very protective, but also very realistic in the sense of he is very real with her, right? And he yeah. ha- like he has no problem not sugarcoating anything, right? Except for oh. later in the movie when he says, "I couldn't tell her the world was well." Yeah, <laughs> but, no, but see that that's but another that was actually the line I was going to bring up because that's yeah. another really good line. Like when you oh, see yeah. when you have kids, you know, the, the what you learn is you can't. You have to make them feel safe. You can't tell them, well, I'm going to go out and save the world. Well, wait, why are you leaving to save the world? What's going to happen? You know? To the world. You're leaving yeah. me? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. But to me, like, I mean, Anne Hathaway does good in this movie, but she, I've seen her do better in other stuff. Yeah. I don't, I don't think she gets as much to work with. She doesn't really. I like, McConaughey is emphatically yeah. the main character. And I, I would say Jessica Chastain as older Murph does a really good job. She does too. a fantastic like, job. She's, really good at emoting and like just like the the, the journey that she goes on mm-hmm. is is just incredible um like, uh, damon is the coward oh i is, thought oh, man fantastic. Like, so i had no idea yeah. he was in the movie and then like when we get to that point in the theater i was like that's matt damon i know he's matt in the movie damon. that's matt damon <laughs> <laughs> i remember like uh it had been like quite a while since i saw it in theater like a couple times i want to say when it was out and then I think I, I waited a while before I watched it again like mm-hmm. when it came home. And like I had forgotten that Matt Damon was in the movie. <laughs> and then when he pops up, I was like, oh, this guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't trust him. Don't listen to him. Yeah. <laughs> and then like immediately it made me like mad. And then like I watched The Martian, you know, after that. And I was mm-hmm. like, Don't that, rescue that dirt bag. Don't that rescue Matt this Damon. potato farming dirt bag. <laughs> um yeah, he has, man, he has such a good little mini arc, though. Mm-hmm. Whenever yeah. he he reveals, kind of, you know, he's like, lying. "I knew that, you know, if I said that it was, if it was good, like the planet was fine, someone would come to me." Right, and it's just like, man, it's it's that idea that humanity will sabotage ourselves because we're selfish. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, we are the worst. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Timothy Chalamet to as young um, yeah. Tom, uh, Tom. Tom. Yeah. Cause like initially when I saw him, I was like, Oh yeah. Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Is in this. I had that moment too. I was like, Oh, is that, is that, yeah. is that Timothy Chalamet? Is a young is that Timothy, Timothy Chalamet? Chalamet? The Dune child is in this. I forgot. <laughs> Get back to Arrakis kid. What yeah. are you doing here? But he does a really good job of like being that like crappy older brother, mm-hmm. by, like giving her like, you know, uh, grief all the time. But then also like, 
I don't know, just watching and also casting Casey Affleck as the older version of him mm-hmm. was at first I was like, Casey Affleck and Timothy Chalamet. I don't know, but like when the the video logs happen and it switches to Casey Affleck, it's like, oh yeah, now that works. Yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's just Timothy after he gains some weight and grows. Yeah, it's like the tone changes. <laughs> and works on the cornfields. Yep, out in the dirt. <laughs> Um, I thought Michael Caine did a fantastic job Michael Caine. at being, uh, he's basically the closest thing to this, this movie's villain just yeah, because he, he blatantly lies to get them to go. But it's right. still like if he didn't perpetuate the lie, then the preparation wouldn't, wouldn't have, have happened. Yeah. So it's really yeah. hard to say it outright. Like he just knows, Hey, like the only way this succeeds is if we get a very specific piece of information, that's basically impossible for us to get. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I think actually, so my complaint with him is not necessarily in performance. It actually probably goes back to spectacle that when he dies of old age, he, they haven't aged him a day. He just looks like the same oh, character yeah. from 20 years ago. Like well, when they it, age up Jessica Chastain. Yeah. It works. Like they, they age her up. They like he his face doesn't change at all. He well, had like yellowish hair in the earlier seeds. That's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Like they barely tried to I mean that. They, they make him look a little rough in the bed when he's like got the the he um, looks well, fine. He could have gotten no. up. <laughs> I mean like they they really he's like just lying sleeping. about that too. He's, he's sleeping. A nap. Yeah. He's like the, like the bony hands. He just doesn't want to work anymore. <laughs> the fingers. The crickle crickle fingers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, also, big shout out to Tars and Case. Yes, they get some of the best lines. Oh, absolutely. Like the, the ability, because I'll, I'll be honest, right? Approaching this from kind of like, you know, this has got a very 2001 feel. And they introduce Tars, like, I am immediately suspicious. I'm immediately suspicious. <laughs> yeah, like, I but, don't trust this. But then, like, the interaction between him and McConaughey is so perfect. good. There's so many moments where he's like, you know, what, what's your uh, humor setting at? 100%. Drop that to 75. <laughs> and he's like, what's your honesty? Yeah, he's like 90. And he's like, because, you know, you can't be 100%. So that's when... Uh, so d- him, to, him to Brand Dr. There. Brand is over here giving him 100%. So Matthew McConaughey or Cooper's like, 90% then, Dr. Brand. You know, like basically saying, hey, girl, like... Yeah. Well, you know, I, I thought it was the reverse where Cooper was giving her 100%. Oh, she's okay. Like, I don't need this kind of honesty. He's like, what's your honesty? He's like, 90%, 90% sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> I think it works either way because yeah. she was being too brutally honest with him and he was being too, like, open and, yeah. And emotionally yeah. available or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But, like, the bit where, like, when he first, like, ha- uh, is interacting with, with uh, Case... He's oh like, yeah, you, don't, you yeah. don't say a whole lot, do you, Case? Like Tar says enough for both of us. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, well, I'm like, I'll be honest, right? Mm-hmm. So again, we've kind of brought up Star Wars a lot in this. Yeah. Um. So obligatory Star Wars reference or whatever. I don't there know. You go. Count it. Uh, but like the droids in Star Wars, right, are oftentimes some of the most human characters, the most relatable characters. They in, are in a lot of ways, especially as you get older. C3PO is gonna really resonate with you. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, so. Oh damn. <laughs> so. Uh, seeing the two robots here and like their interaction is kind of it felt very similar where it was like man I am connecting really well with these big blocks of metal right yeah. <laughs> and it's a little uncanny it is because it's like man like I, I think these guys are saying what I'm thinking a lot of the time but also like when he uh, when he turns TARS back on like at the end oh yeah and he's like what's your what's your humor settings uh, at right now he's like 100% okay let's tone that down to 75 Self-destruct initiate. Do you want to make it 60? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 75. So I think it's uh, David Gyasi. 
sure. who played oh, the yeah. um, uh, the other the doctor that stayed behind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rommel, Rommel, uh, Romilly, Romilly, Romilly. Yeah, yes. yeah. Romilly. Uh, he man, his little bit. Whenever they come back up, oh man, from, uh, from the first planet, yeah, is just so heartbreaking. What well, is because it's like it's it's that immediate immediate like knowledge mm-hmm. of how much time has passed. Yeah, because well, like you're you're. Okay, seven. They were down there for what? Like I don't know, like fifteen minutes of movie time. But what is? Is that like an hour and a half real time? Like, and you're trying to like figure. And she's like decades. And you're Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, this guy been up here for like twenty five years. And then like, yeah, he opens the thing and his like behavior and like it's like a dude that's been shut up in a place for. Mm -hmm. Well, and also like, it's such a good juxtaposition of a scene because. For Coop and Brand, right. what just happened is very raw, very real, very recent. And right. for him, it's it's the slow wearing of time, right? Yeah. Uh, and of course, he's just kind of like, I don't, I don't understand. They're both still like trying to get their wits back their together. Their bearings, yeah, yeah, because they they just had a catastrophic and, and Doyle event. Was just lost. Yeah, they just yeah. discovered. Hey, we just wasted a tremendous amount of time. The uh, and and speaking of that, uh, there's some really good trivia with the the track that is. Uh, we're a little bit ahead of score here, but Just the track go ahead into it. that happens um, called Mountains, oh, where yeah. basically every single tick that happens is a second. Is a well, no, it's a it's a year. Oh, oh, is it? Okay, yeah. it's so a year the, back the, on the Earth. Mu- the music so counts it out. Here's me. a bit, bit of trivia about. That real movie on it. So several tracks of Hans Zimmer's original score were recorded at the tempo of a beat per second, 60 beats per minute, precisely matching the passage of time, a recurring theme of the movie. The key scenes include Imperfect Lock, No Time for Caution, the docking scene, and very portions of Stay, Mountains, and Detach. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're very much, like, it's in rhythm with actual, like, a clock. Like, you could, like, sync the song up with a, a watch and yep. it would, like, be right in time with it, which I thought was, like, that's the kind of stuff that... uh Hans Zimmer does sometimes. It's like no one's gonna notice this, but no. it's fun that you put no. the effort into but, it. You but know but what I mean? When you like, do notice yeah. it. You're like, ooh, yeah. Basically, yeah. basically, when you read the trivia about it, and you're like, did I actually pick up? I did not pick up. I did that. not pick that. Yeah, but I'm gonna tell other people that I did. By God, right? Must oh, I could tell. Push, push my glasses up real quick. I got know? my grandfather's pocket watch out, and I could hear it clicking <laughs> right the, with the music. Well, you don't have a metronome next to your <laughs> 75 inch nerd. Okay, so let's just move into score. What did you guys think about the score? Okay, so just just eat. Um, these ticks happen every 1.25 seconds. Mm-hmm. Each tick you hear is a whole day passing on Earth. Oh wow! Okay, uh, yeah. okay. okay. So that's what it is. Yep. Wow. So it is measuring the passage of time, but in a manner that is going to be really hard to count because we need to count out 23 years worth of days. Yeah, pretty right. much. Thanks, Hans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot for that. But, but that kind of amount to detail mm-hmm. is just how far one Hans Zimmer is going to go, but then also Christopher Nolan to make sure that he like he had this concept. And he's like, look, this is what's going to happen on the planet. I want this to kind of be an indication. And Hans Zimmer was like, I got you, fam. Well, just right, the, it is like that. <laughs> the production under, uh, like the, the attitude of the production as a whole with Nolan in charge, it's such that when Hans kind of brings up, maybe brings up this idea, it doesn't just get discarded as dumb. Or like, well, how long is it right. going to take you to come up with? It's like, oh, yeah, let's try that. Let's try that. Let's yeah. do that. Add that in there. See if yeah. we can make this work. Well, and I know Hans Zimmer really, whenever he got pulled into this and Christopher Nolan wanted, he wanted this score to be something completely different than what people would normally think of for like a a space movie. Uh, a, a space movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And Hans Zimmer was like, okay, I want it to be more orchestral and more opera oriented than it is yeah. for anything else. Mm-hmm. And There's it's a lot so, of organ in it too. Yeah. It's like, you don't really hear that in like space stuff. Yeah, you really don't. And really good callbacks to 2001 Space Odyssey and mm-hmm. those kind of films compared to some of the newer stuff that we've had, you know, obviously Star Wars, John Williams, Star Trek, yeah. those kind, where I think this is just the perfect soundtrack well, for this film. It's a callback to, to 2001 Space Odyssey, yeah. right? Yeah, play mountains. Mountains. I want to hear it. Play. Uh, We're not going to hold it any here the specific whole thing. part play, of mountains. Play the mountains, country roads. <laughs> take, uh, take really, home. just uh, probably like the last like thirty, thirty or forty seconds. Mount okay. Mama. <laughs> you just sing that over this. <laughs> <laughs> There's an actual clock in this, just in yeah. case you didn't get yeah. it, nerds. <laughs> well, and the the best part about it, because this is such a fantastic track, because, like, for them, the characters, they're looking at what they think are mountains, and then they're just like, oh, no, that's a wave. Oh, yeah. And this is a big problem. I remember in the, the theater when, like, that twist happens and you're like oh hold on <laughs> you gotta get out now yep. yeah i was yeah, like well, what a cool idea like what a way to like well in in the idea of just because like they've already explained before they went down they're like if we do this it's going to cost us so much time yeah but he's he has a thing and they they're not thinking ahead in the like the actual time dilation of how long that guy's been down there yeah, right that, yeah that's one of my complaints what yes this is really obvious math for these very intelligent people. But they, that's the thing. Humans are emotional beings. Oh, I'm aware. I, I get that that's part of, like, the theme involved in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are other issues with, like, hey, we're going to escape Earth because Earth is failing. And our life raft is, you know, circling the drain as well. Yeah. Uh, concept instead of trying one of the other planets first. Right. Uh, no, one of my big complaints here is... It's it's not just hey do you, you you should you understand very well the consequence for you time wise you should understand how little data Miller is going to have had time to gather compared to how long it's taking you to get here. But see, they didn't know till they went through the black hole. Like no, they didn't know until they went through the wormhole. Or wormhole. But like at that point, it it should be pretty obvious this is like a last resort. Like it's already kind of presented as a last resort. It's the closest to the black hole. It's the least stable. Right. Uh, like, there's a lot of uh, issues in terms of, like, we're going to choose this as, when, it's, again, it's circling, essentially circling mm-hmm. the drain. Yeah. Uh, that play into, like, the whole science of these waves, right? Yeah. Like, anything that close to that much gravity is going to have monstrous tidal effects by default. Like, it will not be a stable planet. Right. Just... But that, I mean, like, and that, that's kind of the thing is, again, like, the they are looking at it from the perspective of this is, like, as far as we know, like, this is all, like, this is a good planet. It's just really close to this, you know, to this black hole. But from their perspective, they're, again, they're just emotional beings, and they have to justify it in some some way. And, yeah, they but, probably but should have. But I'm pretty sure they, the fact that they were still getting receiving data right, and but messages they, tripped them up too. They, they thought even that the, also in that message, I'm pretty sure when they discuss it, uh, they even mentioned, well, we only have gotten so many thumbs up from Miller. Mm-hmm. Right. But whereas the other two were flooding them with data. Yeah. Like that should have also been the tell of like a key. Uh, like, yeah. Like that, like that was kind of a giveaway of what 
part of the problem was going to be here was, well, this person has only been on this planet for an hour relative to your time passage. To your time passage. Because they, they were sent out not quite 10 years ahead. I think it was, yeah, like a decade. And they had, it was some, I, the math, well, I can't remember. It what wasn't the math exactly. Exactly. It was yeah. about a decade. But it, it was, but about, it, was yeah. it was about right for the, because when they said one hour down there is going to be seven years for us. Right. I had a moment of, this person's barely been on this planet. Yeah. Like just almost immediately just from what they've given us. <laughs> if that was a ha- habitable planet, that'd be like the best gig. You show up, uh, looks good. Oh, you're here. <laughs> right? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, Cool. I haven't even unpacked. Uh, yeah, like, come I, mean, on I, haven't, in. I haven't even changed my suit yet. You yeah. know, like, hey, yeah, well, it hasn't even gotten dark down. yet. I don't know what the day night cycle's like. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I guess the other thing is too, from that perspective, that, and there's no indication that his, like basically like that there is a catastrophic death wave that goes around this planet that would no. cause this as far as they're concerned he's still alive it's just hasn't been oh, no, that no. long yeah i have like i don't have an issue with the concept of like oh they should expect him to have died something catastrophic but like the the idea that he's barely been there he or she i can't remember which i one. think it's a she i think it's a she yeah. but the idea that they have barely been there should have been really obvious to them especially as much time as they emphasize on explaining this to each other it, it should have come up in yeah. a sense, and it, like like this was kind of this is my my first bit of like this feels kind of stupid. Like what are y'all doing? And then, uh, like when they said, "Oh well, it's it's right on the edge of the black hole." I was like, "Boy, this uh, this planet's subject to an awful lot of bad gravitational effects right now." Well, like, and eventually it's going to get sucked in. Yeah, like also right, that is, was my first thought. Was like, do we want to be right by the drain? A, a, <laughs> a life raft that has you know holes in. It. Like, will it float for now? Sure, but yeah. like, can you guarantee that we can yeah. rebuild civilization quickly enough to get off of they, here in a hundred years? <laughs> like, they, they just fly everybody there. All right, we got all of Earth here. Hold on, what's happening? Yeah. Okay, we're going right into the black hole, everybody. It was a good run. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it was one of these things where I was like, man, this this feels like it should have been the last resort option. Obviously, for the plot and for the tension, like, it's a fantastic sequence of action yeah. that lets other things trigger. It just feels like to get us there first, it, it feels like the wrong choice, ultimately, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I get it. Yeah, I, I mean, think like, it was, was ultimately. I mean, it yeah. was, obviously, for the, the yeah. plot and everything else. It just it felt more like this happened because we needed some sort of action to happen to push the plot forward, as opposed to this would have been the rational choice of presumably some of the current smartest people alive kind of maneuver. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It just, yeah. It's one of the things when, it, like, as they were going through this, I was just like, what is going well, on? Yeah, I, 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 I think you're valid in what you're saying there. Yeah, I like, think so too. I just, I don't agree with it from the standpoint of like, I never read the situation like that of like these idiots. I just read it more like, they don't know what they're doing. Once they cross into the oh, no, no. the it's, horizon, it's, it's like, race. what are we it's, doing? It's I guess super, we got to go here. Super like, yeah. uncharted territory. Yeah. It's just, I, like, so I looked into some of the science of the waves, right? Just because mm-hmm. in my initial thought was, that's really not possible. It is, but you need that planet to be doing some funky chicken dance in its mm-hmm. rotation around the black hole. And so, like, if it's tidally locked... Again, mm-hmm. these are things super obvious to these people observing this planet. Uh, like, it's pretty safe as so long as you only don't go to two sides of the planet. If it's doing a wobble, that's what creates the death wave. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's one of these things where it felt one. It also kind of felt like well, that should be pretty observable. Like, I'm well, not saying they have telescopes and time to sit there and stare at. Well, it. that's the thing yeah. is like they've said that they can't. 
the like like see earth through, people yeah. can't see through the wormhole. No, no, I'm not talking about the earth people. I'm talking about the but, the four or five people on the ship who come through. But even then, like they don't have like the observational technology. And no, we have no just idea. Be, really. Just because they're right. scientists doesn't mean that they're planetary orbital scientists. I mean. Like that, like, because that's the thing is like you can have really smart people in the room that have no right. idea how to right, turn right. on a toaster. But like, right. the, the thing <laughs> that's is, that's me. Yes, uh, I'm very smart, <laughs> oh, no, and I don't know how these hot boxes make the good bread. Tell me. <laughs> I guess, I guess, where I'm really going for here is, without any observation of, hey, it's doing precisely what we need it to do. Once mm-hmm. you say, hey, it's right here, the gravitational effects are going to be horrendous on this planet. Like, it should basically render it not habitable yeah right. no i definitely agree there the, the other thing is too because um uh, matthew mcconaughey is definitely the one that pushes to go down there a mm-hmm. bit yeah because bit, and, yeah. and at, by all means he is not a scientist at all he is only worried about getting down there finding a the thing going back home because at this yeah. point he doesn't know it's not a one-way trip but again right. from that perspective the best choice isn't the one that takes the longest to do. But I'm trying to remember, doesn't, isn't the reason he wants to go down there, wasn't it because like it had the most promising signs of something else? Yeah. Like well, it, it had, it had, the, it had water and whatnot, right? It had like all the ingredients that like the other ones had some of the ingredients. Mm-hmm. This was like, had all this of is it. it. It checked all the boxes. Like the big yeah. thing, breathable me, air, that kind right. of stuff. The, the big thing for me wasn't just like, Hey, like, Again, like let's jump you know, out of the frying pan into the fr- into the fire of we're gonna circle the drain of a black hole real quick. Yeah, uh, it's also like, hey, this is by definition, even if it's the shortest one to fly to, it will always be the one that takes the longest, which impacts back home. Mm-hmm. And then also we get later motivation of Brand. Well, Brand just wants to go to this other planet because yeah. she's in love. Well, then why wasn't she pushing for that choice right off the gate? She was. Yeah, she did. She did. She, okay, yeah. so I couldn't remember yeah. if that was yeah, how no, she, she was. Like, she was all about. Because I, feel like, I felt whatever, like it yeah. really only came up at Edmondson. It, or Edmondson. At, it yeah. really, really came, came up, up later. Later, yeah. yeah. And that was... that was But, but she definitely did try and push okay. in, in tertiary well, conversation see, at, at and be like, oh, I'm over here. Yeah. That's at least fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I still just... I don't know. I, I guess if it was just me, it'd be like, hey, we just... We're, last Hope for Humanity, three choices. Can we pick the one the furthest from the black hole? <laughs> right, let's like, start there, work our way the back. the best resources, but you know what resource we really don't have? What about a couple extra million years before we hit the black hole? <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> like, yeah. I can't, I can, like, let's we give can, a little more runway. We there. can yeah. figure out carbon later or whatever, <laughs> right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, since we're in very, plot. That was a very long segue, yeah. That's okay, we're in plot now. What, what did yeah, you think about the plot, Andrew? Uh, I mean, so the only thing that really... Well, what'd you like about the plot? Let's let's spin positive for a little bit. Um, I, I mean, I would just say like everything. I just like <laughs> without saying all of it. What did you like about the plot? You, you put me on the me. spot here. I'll lead off. Yeah, I, got, I, was, I got one I one plot moment specifically that like I always turn to when it comes to this movie, and that is the scene where he's playing back the messages. Oh, man, right? Don't what? take that. That's gonna be my entertainment. You should have said it. Oh, was, you, well, listen. Here's my plot reason for it. <laughs> I love the transition that happens when they switch from him listening to her leaving the message mm-hmm. in the same scene. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and it's just really like well boom, and it goes right over to her, and you're like, oh my! And also in that scene, before it gets to that point, when the music just stops, when the uh, when Casey Affleck goes yep. off screen, when Tom stops, it's like oh, like it just hurts even more. But specifically that 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 plot of like oh. Now we're going to follow Murph's story f- mm-hmm. also. We're not just going to be, st- yeah. you know. It's, it's, a, it's a good segue. It's a really yeah. well done transition. 
Yeah, and for me, every time it happens, I'm always like, oh, that's how you transition. You know, because mm-hmm. it, it is a total shift in what we're going to be focusing on, but it doesn't feel abrupt. It doesn't feel like yeah. rush. It's like, well done. So that's one of my favorite plot points is right there where not only do we have the huge emotional you know, just gut punch of like yeah. him having to watch his t- 20 some odd years of his kids. But then it's the, her being older than him now Yeah, when he, you know, and then the switch to her and what she's dealing with, with, uh, Michael Caine, Michael Caine's character. I can't yeah. think of his name. Dr. Brand. Brand. Oh yeah. It's, they're, they're, Brand's they're, it's dad, so yeah. easy. It's Dr. Brand and Dr. Brand. Dr. Brand and Dr. Brand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, the, I really just love the concept of time dilation. I watch mm. a lot of other like sci-fi anime or whatever that really deals with a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely one of my favorite, like I'll say quotation time travel tropes that, right. that really, cause it one, it, it's real. It does actually exist. And that mm-hmm. like, if we were going to, you know, planets that were near black it's, holes and that kind just, of stuff, it would do that. Well, even yeah. traveling, if theoretically, let's say we can get up to close to light speed, yeah. right. It becomes a problem then as well, it does. where, you know, Sure, we could explore further into the galaxy, but what's happening at home? Like home is, you know, the people all we know are going to be dead by the time we come back. Right, yeah. by the time you yeah. get where you're going, yeah, yeah like, everyone's already yeah. dead. Like that, that, and that's kind of one of the biggest concepts with a lot of like hard sci-fi for like saving the saving the planet or saving the mm-hmm. human race is that it's not that you need to save the people that are on the planet; they're already dead. There's nothing you can do about that. Right. You need to basically create a colony ship, which is what they did in this film, and then. Yeah. Send it somewhere else. That's the human race now. Yeah. Everyone that's on the planet, sorry guys, you live yeah. out your life. That's it. Them's the bricks, kid. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, and it's not because it's a heartless choice. It's the reality of how space travel works. Right. Because space yeah. is so big and it takes so long to do it. You have to have a generational ship to basically be able to yeah. traverse the the cosmos. Because once you get out of the solar system, you've got nothing. Right. For a long time eons yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, so um uh the book hocus pocus uh Kurt Vonnegut, he gets into mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. A bit in there where he talks about how humans are like the main the character is thinking about how the humans are spectacularly unsuited for space travel yeah like we, right. we, we have all these requirements we're, we're so large it's hard to move us etc 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 um I, I like that. That reading that, I don't even know how many decades ago at this point. Oh gosh, it was probably the sixties. Um, well, <laughs> oh, when you read when, it, whenever I read it, no, no, you when, were in the sixties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he probably wrote it in the sixties or fifty, sixties yeah. somewhere in there. But like when I hit that line, because Vonnegut is, I wouldn't necessarily call, I wouldn't put Vonnegut in the same realm as like Arthur C. Clarke, where yeah. it's like hard sci-fi. No, but he deals with sci-fi concepts a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like just kind of casually encountering that line in the middle where like, well, well, the main thing that humans have going for them for space travel is they're so arrogant to believe that it's possible they can do it. <laughs> right. That what's going to happen is they're going to create something that can and it's going to end up being a virus or a bacteria. Yeah. Which is right. typically what actually could make it and mm-hmm. survive a journey. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I really like the concept of the colony ship. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of other authors who have dealt with these concepts or something adjacent to, or time dilation. Mm-hmm. Uh, if yeah. you've ever read Ender's Game, you know, the end of that book deals with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I could go on for too long, yeah. honestly, so, about that kind of stuff. Well, uh, but yeah. I, I think beyond just the concept of time dilation, which I think they cover yeah. really well in this in this movie, I also like the just the way the plot handles the relationship between Coop and Murph, both when they're young and older. Now, it, 
Yeah. It's it's very emotional at its core. Yeah. The yes. they some of the um the mental gymnastics that you have to jump through at the end whenever he goes into the black hole is just kind of hands up. You're like, well, we don't know. Oh uh, yeah, I'm not part of the fifth dimension. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like for me, the the only part of the plot that really could be different, and I don't know if it would be better or not is if they ended it ambiguously instead of it having kind of the happy ending at the end of the bow. Yeah. 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 Which isn't, again, I don't dislike the happy ending. I'm, I'm here for it. It just feels like a bit rushed at the end for all that you've been through. Like they could have very easily ended it, you know, with, uh, before he wakes up, you know, like, yeah. and that's just the end of the movie and you're well, left with like, wait, what happened? You know, like we don't know. So I definitely feel that traditional that's hard not a, sci-fi that's not a Western filmmaking thing. Though. No, but that's like inception with the top. That's like, I feel like Christopher yeah. Nolan has done he's, ambiguous he's to, before. To, to take the risk with it. Yeah. Right. But I, I think that like traditionally hard sci-fi normally has bittersweet endings mm-hmm. where this is, this, this is a pretty bittersweet a little bittersweet but well, it's, i mean he does all all of what he does right is ultimately to save his daughter it's mostly useless well it's not that it's, it's well, not useless it pays off but when he gets back he doesn't really get to enjoy the payoff like he saves human race yeah but like yeah. he's there with his daughter on her deathbed and she tells him to go away you know she has her family her kid like he lost all of the time mm-hmm. yeah like at the end of the day the calculation here is you were only there for the first 10 or 11 years of my life. You know, my life is, you know, she's in her nineties or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like so she's much got my kids, life grandkids. Yeah, yeah. She's got great grandkids or whatever there. Yeah. And like, this is actually, this is who she has the connection with. It's not him anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I think that that absolutely checks the box. Of oh no, it the does. Bittersweet. Yeah. And then, you know, and then there is the caveat that, it, you know, of how time dilation works is like, Hey, we found you sitting out here. And if you go now, She's just now setting up camp on the on the planet where Edmund Edmonds was or whatever. Oh yeah, and you know you can at least go be with her. Yeah, which even then, like their interaction was what maybe like there was never really like a three time weeks. where we set up like a whole like there could be something here. Yeah, right? like, that's the what? thing is like well, so he's but only she's going... also at this point the only person he knows who's still alive. Also true. He at least has three weeks <laughs> of like getting to know where everybody else. Like I have no clue. Who yeah. These people well, also are. like how do you? I mean, with his last name, how do you? hang out with anyone on that station normally sure right? like you're you're a you're a legend reborn oh, i think matthew mcconaughey could do it oh you know like, he cracked open a beer let me tell you when i went across the horizon <laughs> he would just tell that story over and over. everybody'd be like yay <laughs> so the the biggest issue i have and this is just generally with any kind of i'll say time travel adjacent mm-hmm. stuff is i always have an issue where the reason why someone leaves is themselves yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. circular I, it, circular reasoning is not that's just not how it works mm-hmm. or how it should work i guess but uh, you know there are a bunch of other smarter people than me that that write this stuff or whatever there are a lot but of it, them out there. it does sure feel, yeah probably <laughs> uh but it does feel a little um trite that he's just like the reason why he left See, I, I disagree. I feel like if they did anything else other than that, it would have been cheesy. It would have been cheesy because, like, if it would have been actual, like, interdimensional beings Yeah, like, what's or the alternative? That, like, yeah. the squishy hand Sh- that touches shiny Anne lights. Yeah, yeah, like... The, I, I get it. Yeah. Like, like, so that was the only option that he had. To me, it's a good option. Like, I no. found it satisfying. Yeah. I was like, okay, I like this, that, like, he's the reason he's out here. And, like, it's like a... 
self-fulfilling prophecy of like this is the, when you can uh, see the fifth dimension and you can the pierce worst. the veil like the I do worst. like the way that the they worst. did it's that great. entire sequence though which is really cool. Oh, no the setup and whatever effect yeah. they did to create the like infinite bookshelf well I'm pretty sure oh, yeah, that they actually had him on on like wires, wires and stuff yeah. yeah and like in a very small set obviously the rest of it was all like green screened or whatever but even but, yeah. early in the movie I loved the the effect of like the the dust settling oh yeah the pattern really really cool like, there everything was like oh uh, and so and it also to me i like that like she's like we've got ghosts and you immediately write her off as like what like you're ridiculous you're a kid and then like you slowly start to realize something's up with this mm-hmm. and then it becomes more of like when you see the scene where he's sitting there like looking in the book and he's yeah. like, trying to figure it out and he's like it's not morris it's binary you know mm-hmm. and you're like ooh, okay okay now we're into science like okay yeah. now it's not just like some kind of like kid thing well and that's the thing is like i still like the ending doesn't stop me from enjoying the film at all right no like no, it's no. it's because it's still a very good emotional climax where he yeah. is you know he's doing his best to just because of his loss uh, essentially of his daughter mm-hmm. like he is like no don't go you need to stay with her and it's not like and that's kind of the thing is like the the soundtrack says stay that's not her asking him to stay that's him asking him to stay right yeah and it's just like whenever you realize that you're like oh oh yeah oh no oh yeah it hits <laughs> yeah so I, I feel like to me at least i mean like that supersedes any kind of like yeah it does i mean because it yeah. has a really good it's, it's very underscore emotional. yeah yeah uh, the you know the whateverness of the, the circular self prophecies. <laughs> this guy, just whatever. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I just like stories that yeah, have that no, kind of I, stuff in it. <laughs> it just, it was what. So what got me was when, when she's like, "Well, maybe it's Morse, but it doesn't seem to work for that." And it's like, "Okay, we still have some weirdness here, right?" And then he's like, "Oh, it's binary." And I was like, "Crap! It's, it's a person. If it's by, bi- like, it's another person communicating with them." And then he, then he made the comment about it being gravity. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I know that this deals with like time. I knew the movie dealt with time dilation, right? Mm. So at that moment, I was like, I swear to God, if he hits a black hole in this, I'm going to be so mad. And they go <laughs> through the wormhole yeah. and they talk about the first plant. They're like, well, it's right next to Gargantuan. What's Gargantuan? It's a huge black hole. I like paused the film. So it was like, God. So why does that make you mad though? Like, see, because I, if the, I had figured that out, I would have been excited. I would have been like, "Awesome, we're going I to a black, black hole. hole. He's going to talk to himself through time. This rules." Like, <laughs> I don't like the concept of mm-hmm. him being the instigator of what makes it possible to travel. Right? Because she talks about, well, they put the wormhole there. Right. When did Matthew McConaughey do that in the black hole? He doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. So then, how does he get there? He can't. How does any of this happen? It doesn't. <laughs> like. For as scientific as we've been this whole way through, it just it's too reliant on what feels like a gimmick. See if that I makes disagree. Sense. I hear what no, you're no, saying. No, you can totally disagree. Yeah. And like I the thing is the emotional payoff is really good. The sequence of him in the black hole yeah, is good. Very him good. communicating with TARS is good. Everything about it is good. It's just it feels like we put a whole bunch of weight on two sides of a really thin board. See, to me, no. The theme that, like, ties it together (laughs) is when Anne Hathaway has the whole thing where she's talking about love, right? And she's like, it is something that, like, why do we mourn the dead? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, this isn't a scientific thing that we've got figured out, right? It goes across space and time. Yeah, and so when we get to these beings that are from the future, they knew that the only way... The, this the, man could send messages through time is because he loves his daughter. Himself. Let me finish the sentence, Stephen. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's they knew that the only way this would have even been possible and that this humanity would mm-hmm. exist to evolve into fifth dimensional beings is if this one dude really loved his daughter and he would do some wild stuff like send yeah. gravitational waves back through time. That's it. That's the only way any of this happens. It's the only way for it to happen. So are you, are you telling me right now that interstellar and the fifth element take place in the same universe? 100 sure sounds like you are. Yes. I don't know anything about the fifth element, but maybe. We have got to get this man we to watch We do need to get this man to watch the fifth element. Golly. Is that a movie or is that a TV show? A Were you entertained, Andrew? I was very entertained. I love this movie. I really love this movie, too. Uh, so my probably my, my favorite entertainment bit mm-hmm. um, outside of the incredibly emotional scene whenever he comes back up from the first planet and just has a cry fest in front oh, yeah. of this TV screen yeah. was the amazing callback to Arthur C. Clarke's Rendezvous with Rama where they are, whenever he wakes up after going through the black hole and talking to Murph through the um, gravitational waves, mm-hmm. and then he wakes up in the hospital bed, he is basically on a essentially a, a generational colony. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. A, a, where sil- a, a cylinder. A, cylinder, a cylindrical colony that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which that is you know, by general science until, you know, proven otherwise, like that's really the best way to do it. To do, yeah, that type of thing. As best as we've solved. Yeah, because that's the thing is you need it to rotate so you have gravity, all this other kind of nonsense or whatever. Yeah, just nonsense, just gravity. (laughs) Just Uh, just nonsense. But I just love, I love just that general concept and whenever it popped up (laughs) in a movie that I was already blown away by, I was just so excited in the You were double sold. Yeah. Yeah. Steven, were you entertained? At I least. was. Yeah. I like again, this is a film where like twenty five minutes into it I had a pretty good suspicion where it was going and then mm. I don't know at what point we hit it. I literally paused and sat up and said a few, you know, four letter words. Yeah. Uh but like at the point where we hit with uh Matt Damon mm-hmm. and I had heard someone reference <laughs> Matt the <Damon>. coward. <laughs> and so I had again some idea of where this was. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like it still had me on the edge of my seat. Yeah, okay. the, I mean that, that whole, whole sequence. The is, whole sequence from the moment when he loses the transponder and his helmet's cracked. Oh yeah, up to the point where they have successfully docked with the station. <laughs> yeah, is intense. Yeah. Dude, that docking like, with the knuckle. station scene. Oh, like man, everything going on <laughs> in that sequence yeah. is is off the charts, right? Yeah, and especially for a film that's been fairly slow it's had a few yeah. bursts we've had a few moments that's definitely like one of the crescendos of like, oh yeah and like the music's going like oh, everything's yeah. coming together in this point well and and i remember in the theater like it was like a gasp of air after that yeah scene ended everybody like, like finally oh. breathed again yeah <laughs> yeah so also i really liked in the middle of that um when they're like he doesn't know the docking sequence. I, I, like, I had a moment where I was like, wait, Doyle was the one that knew the docking. Who's been docking this stupid thing? And he's like, Tars, get Bethes. Okay, good. All right. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I had a bit where I was just like, wait, hold up. Is this something that only some people know? Yeah, right. <laughs> Did we surely, lose the only person? Surely they would cross train, right? right yeah. <laughs> For like, this very like, reason. <laughs> like, surely there's a, you know, like Apollo 13 here. You can pull out the reference manual and flip through it, right? Like <laughs> right. something, anything? <laughs> oh, that would have been even more tense. They're spinning towards the oh, thing. He's flipping, he's to the flipping book. through it. Hold on, wait, oh, wait, wait. Dude, <laughs> dude, if that had been part of it, we're like, uh, Anne Hathaway is in the back, frantically, yeah. like, he's like, page 24, page 24. They're spinning and she can't get the book. It's stuck together. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Well, one, that would have been intense. And two, yeah. it probably would have given Anne Hathaway a little more to do. <laughs> probably, yeah. So the I think my favorite 
moment in that whole sequence yeah. is right after Matt Damon just like completely bucks the whole thing yeah. and you know everything's going haywire mm-hmm. and you just see them looking at this just from the outside and then you know like you can see like the gears turning in his head and he's like I got to do this. There's nothing right. like there's nothing else I can do it's otherwise such we a die. Long shot. Yeah. Every other shot's zero. Yeah. <laughs> right. Take the long <laughs> shot. Take the long <laughs> shot. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just such an amazing like moment where you're like, "Oh, he's going to do this." Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you're like Let's, I can't wait to well, see this. I, I this whole this whole part's been such a like an action heavy sequence mm-hmm. that like you're like yeah let's go like let's 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 make this work you know yeah. whereas everything else has been science 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 <laughs> science science, yeah. science 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 big wave science 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 science. I think science. the other the other scene that's like similar to it but not mm-hmm. near as like intense is when they're like going down to the the wave planet you know and he's like doing the like mm-hmm. oh, the, the spiral see to he's me, like hang on I can get us down quicker <laughs> yeah to me that almost felt like. Like unnecessary action, like they could have just like been like, all right, we're going, and they could have just been on the planet and with yeah. them disembarking, and we maybe could have saved a couple minutes, and then we get you know wrecked by a big wave. Right, and, like that's plenty of action for this. Like it's, if we just didn't, it almost felt false. I don't know. Okay, see, to me, it was like selling his like his well, they, pilot they skills. Well, no, like that, it's how much good. he wants to get back to his yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm gonna spiral this thing. I'm gonna shave <laughs> every second I can, everywhere right. else I can. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then also when. They're like, well, we don't have so much time. You know, how much time until the engines dry out? Well, I'm gonna blow the air. It's like, you could have done that 30 minutes ago. Right. <laughs> well, I think the, the there's no what, guarantee it works. What but they didn't say that I, I read was like it's very dangerous, and they could have just exploded the ship. When well, they like did if, that. if it pushes, if it tries to push too much water, it can't actually push. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. There can be justifications. They just didn't give. They, us they didn't any give any right yeah, there. No. Yeah. All right. Well, I think the time on this episode is dilating to the point that we need to wrap it up. Boys. <laughs> That's uh, spicy. So we're going to talk about our he Patreon. Waiting for that line for a while. He's, he's I actually just came up with it. <laughs> uh, let's talk about our Patreon, right? Yeah, for $1 a month, you just get access to all of our bonus episodes, everything we've ever done. Plus, we do at least one bonus episode a month. Uh, one of my recent favorites was the uh, Adaptation Assassination, where we all three aired our grievances about different uh, we got fantasy pretty, we books got that have been adapted. That I talked about The Witcher. Steven talked about Wheel of Time. Andrew talked about The Hobbit. It was yep. uh, it was a thing. It was a thing. It sure happened. <laughs> yeah, that sure did happen. Uh, but uh, we got all sorts of stuff on there. These aren't like our normal episodes. We've got really cool um, a chips ranking episode yep. where our eyes were opened to a lot of different chip flavors. A, lot of, that, a whole yeah. new world of flavors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chat GPT. We got some science in here giving oh, yeah. us some uh, suggestions <laughs> on movie titles. Science yep. with the big asterisk. Very yeah. science. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's, it's hot basically right now. Tars. Uh, it's yeah, it's basically Tars. <laughs> Chat GPT. Uh, but gave us some movie suggestions, some movie mm-hmm. names, and then we. We tried to come up with you know, who would be in this movie, what would be the plot, yeah. and it gets all over the place. I think oh, yeah. uh, we came up with some really fun stuff. And if you want to check any of these out, we put 15-minute yes. previews in our main feed. So like, Try before you buy. Check them out. Like If, if you're laughing, listen to the full episode. Throw us a dollar. It's just, just a dollar. dollar. Yeah. Yeah. You also get commentaries. If you want to yeah. enjoy some Mystery Science Theater 3000-style action where it's like we're right there on the couch with you as you yep. watch the film, uh, you can dial that up for several. Uh, again, that there is also not just a preview, but the whole Phantom Menace commentary is in the main feed right yeah. now. Yeah, you know, and the other thing is too is that a Patreon isn't your thing. Totally fine. Yeah, you can toss us a share, yeah, we, or we a like, love your support, rating on iTunes, Spotify, yeah. Google Podcast. Just yeah. text a friend. Hey, check this podcast out. I think you'd like it. We greatly appreciate it. Always. Yeah. All right. Well, that sounds about like all the time we have. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Andrew, and I'm Stephen. And every spoiler was intended. <laughs>